John Lennon, there is no doubt in your mind about the fate of uh, Paul McCartney. Uh, no, it's a joke, isn't it? I mean, Paul isn't dead, you know, and if he was, we would have told you, you know. We'd be the first to know. He's recording music for Ringo's film and producing Mary Hopkins, so he's very much alive. Well, how do the rumors uh, affect both of you at this point? It's a joke to us. It's just a joke. It's so hard to uh, believe that something like this would be going on, uh, similar to uh, like a James Dean thing. I can't understand it because I can understand the James Dean kind of, he still lived crippled but won't come out, you know. I mean, there's some kind of idea you could guess, well, maybe, maybe. Yeah. But Paul McCartney couldn't die without the world knowing it. Mm -hmm. The same as he couldn't get married without the world knowing it. It's impossible. He can't go on holiday without the world knowing it. How, how could he die without everybody knowing it? Paul McCartney is in England now. Is he, is he at home or uh, is he on a holiday or what, John? He's not on holiday. He's working. He's, he's recording uh, a group called the Ivies, but doing some background music for Ringo's film, The Magic Christian. Mm -hmm. And I want to be plugging my own stuff, not all. So come on, let's get going. John, let's go back to uh, talking about the music of the early days, and, and if you'll permit me to go and address ourselves back to uh, uh, the, this Paul McCartney um, rumor and, and death, if you will. Um, as a matter of fact, let's talk all about this symbolism that's going down in these albums and dress ourselves also to the possibility of death and what you recognize in these albums. Well, I tell you, I'm not aware of any of them, you see. I only read about them this morning in the paper, uh -huh. and I can't remember them. Something about Sergeant Pepper album cover and uh, Abbey Road album cover. Yep. I don't see the connection or how Paul could have been dead. We made Sergeant Pepper four years ago, you know. John, I understand the cover for Cold Turkey is... Uh, might, well, we might consider that to be symbolic if we get into it. This is the cover for uh, Cold Turkey, right? Yeah. And this is the advert we're using. Now, it's two skulls, which is, uh, um, what are they called? X-rays we, that were taken of us in hospital after we had a car crash. Now, by the time this gets to America and the, the Deep South and the DJ gets it, he'll say, who did this finally? It's Paul McCartney's skull. You know, but it's me and Yoko, actually, and I'm using it to advertise our latest record as the, the sleeve cover. But when you read... Read that into it. By the time it's got to New Orleans and the DJ's looking for something to talk about, he'll say that this is a, a sign of death and that Paul is gone or John and Yoko are dead, you know. But what about the line on, uh, on the Sergeant Pepper, I will bury you? Oh, on Sergeant Pepper. The same as the obscenity that was meant to be on, on a loop at the end of Sergeant Pepper didn't exist. John, I find it hard to believe that uh, some people are supporting this rumor that's going around here that if you play some of your records backwards, um... There are some messages to it, and, and people can hear these. Uh, what do you have to say about the backward movement of these records? Sure, if you play anything backwards, you're going to get a different connotation, because it's backwards. I have no idea what people records sound like backwards. They're never playing backwards. In other words, you're saying there really is no death wish or any death moment in all these Beatle records. The connection besides some of these things falls dead. Could some of these things have been like a death rumor to uh, Paul's death back there in 1966? Well, how did we take the photograph for Abbey Road with me with a beard and looking as I do today? which I'm Paul looking as he does today, walking across the road, when he'd been dead since Pepper. What did we do? Stuff him and shave him. You know, or what? How could we do it? I don't understand what it's about at all, you know. I don't... Paul isn't dead. We don't often sing or refer to death. I don't think so. And uh, I don't... What about the Abbey Road thing, John, where uh, uh, the bare feet of... Uh of uh, Paul McCartney sort of would indicate death to some. That's the first time I've ever heard of it, you know. I mean, so what? I mean, Paul walked barefoot across the road 
uh, because Paul's idea of being different is to look almost straight, but just have his ear painted blue, you know, something a little subtle. He liked to go when we did press conferences. We all were a bit like that. We used to go on stage with just, say, one polythene bag on one foot, and nobody might notice it, just us would be laughing. So for Paul, he decided to be barefoot that day, walking across the road. But when he first glanced at the album, it looked like the four people or whoever walking across fully dressed. But he just, that's his little gimmick, I thought. Yeah, I didn't even notice till I got the album. I didn't notice on the day he was barefoot. We were just uh, wishing the photographer would hurry up and it's getting too many people are hanging around. It's going to spoil the shot and let's get out of here. We're meant to be recording, not posing for people's pictures, you know. That's all we were thinking. And I was muttering, come on, hurry up now, keep in step. And all that, you know. And it's, he said I was wearing a white religious suit, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, did Humphrey Bogart wear a white religious suit? All I've got is a nice Humphrey Bogart suit, you know. What's religious about this? That George is dressed as an undertaker. And rubbish. And Ringo or something. I, you know, it's just insanity. It's great plug for Abbey Road. Uh, it's just coincidence that uh, you dress the way we do on your album covers. Uh, what motivates you to wear what you wore today? As your station uh, controller said, we, we need a publicity handout of all the DJs on the program, on the, on the radio. Uh, you decide that morning what to wear for the photograph. I decided to wear a white suit, and we all decided individually what to wear for that day for the photograph. So, In essence, John, what you're saying about the Beatle greatness, and it is great. Thank you. In essence, because of this greatness, John, that the Beatles themselves have become the essence of this, this great rumor. Yeah, it's just all that mysticism like James Dean is still alive in a chair somewhere and that Bob Dylan had died. I mean, but you can understand the Dylan rumor a bit more because he had that big crash and nobody knew where he was, you know. It's all that intellectualized, you know, looking for hidden meanings. You know, it's just gone crazy, that's all. John, has this really affected you mentally, physically? Uh, the same with Yoko Ono. Uh, how has this affected you? It's water off a duck's back, you know. It's just the, the most stupid rumor I've ever heard. It, it sounds like the same kind of guy that blew up my Christ remark, where the remark had been out for six months in England before anybody had said anything about it, and this guy blew it up. John Lennon and Yoko Ono from London. Welcome to Paul or Nothing, the place to get all of your Paul Sam Wiles as we discover the history, the music, and the man behind it all, Paul McCartney. To get in contact with the show, email us at paulmccartneypod at gmail.com. Hello, 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 hi, 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 hello, goodbye, and welcome to another episode of Paul or Nothing, the place to get all of your Paul all, all of, the time. of the time. And remember, folks, this is widescreen podcasting. This is wide, 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 screen, 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 podcasting. I am, of course, your host, Sam Walls. Thank you all for tuning in, tuning out, switching on, switching off, on, off, on. Anyway, I hope you're well, safe and sound. I'm going to come clean, I'm going to be honest. This is another episode that I've had in the bag for a while. It was a classic swap cast in the sense that it was some content that I kind of want to revisit, purely because of how divisive I know it is. And then someone came along and tells me they wanted to talk about it. So everyone was a winner. And what did I want to talk about exactly? Well, you've seen the title for the episode. And yeah, we're going to be doing that again. Yeah, yes, yes. Come on now. We're going to be dipping our toe into the world of Paul is Dead. The most famous of Beatle conspiracies. Yes, 
I know, I know, there's probably a bunch of you that are tempted to switch off already, but before you do, thank you for the download. Uh, though, I must preface this episode by saying that this is more about me interacting with someone who does potentially believe in the conspiracy, and me navigating my way around that without appearing too rude, rather than, than, than you know, this just rather than this just being a straight-up Paul is Dead episode. The Swapcast was with the Baram U podcast, Baram U. I'd never heard of them before, but they contacted me, and after doing a bit of digging, I could tell that his show was deep down certain rabbit holes, and for me, that was the sign of credibility as far as this kind of content would go, as I knew that he was going to likely, uh, you know, give this stuff a fair go, and... That would create some fun drama and tension between the two of us, hopefully. You know, I did tell him up front that, unlike the monkeys, I was not a believer. And that I was going to be up for some pleasant hostilities. And thankfully, he was up for it. Ian, the host of Baramu, was an absolutely fantastic guy to talk to. We had a lot of fun together. And you, and you can hear that we get on like a house on fire from the get-go. And just because we might fundamentally disagree on some of the issues doesn't stop us from having a good time. And the way we do it is that he's hosting the show and I'm the expert who's been brought in to update everyone. I'm there to provide the who, the what, and the when. And most importantly, from my own perspective, try to speak to those tinfoiled hatted kooks that are probably listening to this guy's show and try and convince them that the Paul is dead thing is bullshit. How well I do in that endeavour is up to you folks, I guess. But even if I only convince one disenfranchised sceptic that Paul McCartney is indeed Paul McCartney, then that is a victory. I did have to do a bit of homework myself and remind myself of a lot of this crap. I did go back to my old episodes, the three-episode extravaganza that we did, that I do suggest you go ahead and check out if you haven't already. And not to toot my own horn, everyone, but those episodes alone really do teach you everything you need to know. But yeah, I did actually make sure that there was at least some new content here, so I, I, I took a little more esoteric look into um, symbolism and the occult and stuff like that. I knew um, Ian would be interested in that as well, so we do touch on that a bit. Again, for those of you who don't particularly like the whole Paul is Dead thing, this is going to be a capstone for the Paul is Dead stuff for a while. I know a lot of you hated it the first time around because... That is a shame, because they are really well-done episodes. So, again, thank you for the download, thank you for your support, but let me just say, stick around for some of the bonus content happening in the housekeeping in just a second, because it really is fun, and, hey, you might even stick around for the rest of it. But for anyone who hasn't heard those original three episodes that we did, this will be a bit of a, a crash course in the Paul is Dead conspiracy, but we're not taking our time... We do kind of plough through it. So if you do want more detail, make sure you go back and check out those other episodes. Also, just at the start, I do want to say that uh, since doing this chat, I've done a little more research into the Bar U podcast. And they are certainly very controversial with certain topics. And I just want to say at the start here that I do not agree with everything that they say on their show. I think everything in the audio you're about to hear is above board and legal and all that, but I am just covering my own ass here in terms of other things they may talk about on that show. But anyway, before we go down that rabbit hole, we are now going to be doing our housekeeping segment at the start of the show, as opposed to halfway through the episode, like we've been doing recently. 
Mainly this is because this was not my podcast, it was a swap cast, and so there was no natural break for a housekeeping segment halfway through. And you know me, folks, I do like a front-loaded album where all the hits are at the start, and let me just say there is going to be an extra bonus hit for you in this segment. Let's just crack right on with this week's housekeeping! Starting off, let's go through the week's news, and what do we have going on in the world of Paul and the Beatles? Quite a lot, actually, everyone. Starting off, of course, the big news is that Paul McCartney has started off the second leg of his titanic, globe-spanning Got Back World Tour. At the time of recording, Paul has performed at five dates in Australia now, those being Adelaide, Melbourne, Newcastle, and two gigs at the Alliance Stadium in Sydney. First things first, Paul still sounds great, and pound for pound, this Got Back Tour, vocally, is still proving to be a more solid Macca live experience than the last two. Yes, folks, the quality has not dipped since Glastonbury, and it seems like the same wonderful content is going to be spewing for three and a half hours out of Paul McCartney's mouth every night until he gets tired. They really are just going to keep doing this until he physically cannot do it anymore. And what a quality he's doing at 81 now. Of course, like Wings Over America, what's a tour break without changing the setlist slightly? And now the big setlist change here, an actual change, is that Paul is now playing She's a Woman for the first time in like 20 years or so. He's brought that one back, it's a favourite of mine, that's for sure. But at what cost? What has been taken out of the setlist? Well, folks, nearly half a decade on from Egypt Station, possibly more than now, actually. But... Come On To Me has finally been removed from the set list. Yes, we knew that one of them was going to always get the drop, and Fur You is just so cheeky and fun that Paul was never going to do that, and Come On To Me is just another rocker, and so why not replace it with something that's a little more precious to the audience, and I, I, I totally get that. You know what? Let's just let Paul prove it himself. Let's listen to Paul performing She's a Woman live in Australia. But um, it's from a long time ago. Yeah. What we screamed a long time ago. Let's hear it for a long time ago. Thank you. 
folks, just before I was due to release this episode, we had a big-ass bit of news drop on our laps, and I couldn't not wait until next week to address it, but I also had a lot of shifts to do in between that time, so yeah, this is why this episode has been delayed. Some big news has dropped. Some big news that is so unbelievably big in its import that it is going to delay the Run Devil Run episode by a week so I can review it properly. Yes, everyone, it's finally going to happen after weeks of me kind of bumbling through new segments saying I've heard nothing yet. We're finally going to get Now and Then. The final Beatles song, folks. The last one. There is no going back. There is no barrel bottom to scrape any further. But yeah, it's coming. Now and Then is going to be released as a single. On the A side, we're going to have the new song Now and Then, which is the last Beatles song. It's got Lennon's voice that has been enhanced by AI. We've got some George Harrison guitar parts from the 1995 sessions, new instrumentals and vocals from Paul McCartney and Ringo, along with some strings and Giles Martin production. It is going to be something else. It really is. And not only that, we get on the B side, we get a... 2023 mix by Giles Martin of Love Me Do, their first single, so it's nice that they're, that they're being paired together, it's quite cute. Would have been better to have a, a fresh song, even if it was just like Leave My Kitten Alone or something as the beat side, but whatever. It is going to be released on the 2nd of November, so aka next week, and then on the 3rd of November, the vinyl is going to be coming out, and oh my god, how much vinyl there is. Um, these are all the ones just on the Beatles website alone. But there is a seven inch black vinyl single, a clear seven inch single, a clear light blue vinyl single, a marbled white seven inch vinyl single, the cassette, and then a black 12 inch vinyl single. The black 12 inch, the marbled white one, and the cassette have all already sold out. And you can also pick yourself up a fun little now and then t-shirt and tote bag. I myself have just picked up the standard black seven inch one. I didn't want things to get too complicated, but do let me know what you yourself have picked up, folks. But that is not all you can pick up. As for on the 10th of November 2023, there is another Beatles release, and that is going to be the Red and Blue album reissues. Yes, folks, we're going to have two big Beatles releases within a week. And, oh my god, there is so much stuff available for the Red and Blue albums. It does seem like they're going to be striking whilst the iron is hot, Apple. You know, there's going to be a lot of buzz around a new Beatles single. And so, of course, they're going to you know, put a bit more money behind these Red and Blue releases. You can get the Red and Blue albums individually on CD. You can get the Red and Blue albums individually on three-disc black vinyl sets. You can get both of these in a big box set that combines both. And then you can also get the red and blue albums on vinyl with red vinyl or blue vinyl and they come in a box set too and they look absolutely fantastic. You can also get a blue album jacket, a blue album collar shirt, a blue album t-shirt, a blue album lunchbox. Same goes for red. You can get a red and blue hat, a red and blue hoodie, a red and blue shirt and red and blue socks. Oh my gosh. I'm probably just going to send this link to my mother and hope that something comes in the post. I myself had to pick up the large coloured vinyl versions of the Red and Blue album. I did splurge there a little bit. Probably shouldn't have. Might regret it in the short term. Won't regret it in the long term. Again, folks, drop me an email at paulbacardipod at gmail.com or hit me up on the Twitter to let me know which versions of these albums you are getting, which ones you aren't getting, whether you're excited or you're not excited. Are you hyped as much as I am? Just 
You, you know the drill, folks. Let me know your thoughts. And finally, in today's news section, there's something that I always like to do on this podcast, but it's something that rarely ever works, which is live hot takes based on new Paul McCartney material. And that's what we have this week. It's technically not new. It's not technically Paul McCartney material. And it's not technically just Paul or nothing, because I do bring on my friend Tom. But hey, it's something I wanted to do. I wanted to shake up this week's new segment a bit and he was just as excited as I was to talk about it. So, without any further ado, folks, please listen to me and my best buddy Tom talk about Hackney Diamonds and the Rolling Stones' new song, Bite My Head Off. And welcome to the first of two live portions of this particular episode. This is all a bit impromptu, so please forgive us. But yeah, we are here to discuss some brand new McCartney content. Except that it's not McCartney content, is it? No, we're here to discuss Bite My Head Off, the new track, track four, from the brand new Rolling Stones album, Hackney Diamonds. This has been a collaboration that has been hyped for a while now. People have been looking forward to this one. I'm not sure if... It's going to be living up to the hype in any way, but it is here now and here to discuss it slash take it apart. I have a man who has been on this show innumerable times. He's the host of many great podcasts, all better than this one. Here's my best friend, Tom Quee. What's going on, bro? Welcome to the show. Hello, Sam. Hello. You know, the Stones, they're both hacks and diamonds in my eyes. So it's a very fitting album title. Yeah, it is actually. Very fitting. They were the London lads, the Beatles were the Northern lads, and now they've come together. First of all, I think we should just discuss why this has happened, why Paul would want to do this, why the Stones would want to do this. And first of all, as cynical as this sounds, these are old-ass guys now, and they didn't do it in the 60s when it would have been really exciting and Mm. really relevant. And so they're going to do it now in 2023 and they can strike whilst they are hot enough. Is that a little too much of a downer to say? Like, have they left it a bit too late? No, it's insane, really, because, you know, we were born in the early 90s. And when I was just becoming aware of pop culture and music culture, there were jokes about how old the Stones were. Like, you know, (laughs) I remember the album before this coming out, A Bigger Bang. You know, I remember being on holiday I was a very, very lucky, spoiled young boy, and I went to many exotic places, and I was in Hong Kong, and there was a HMV in Hong Kong, and I remember being with my dad, and we walked past, 
and they had a big display for a bigger bang and X and Y by Coldplay. <laughs> and you know, it was just this weird thing. It was like it was like fuck. They're still they're still putting out records, you know. And the fact that we're here now, 15, 18 years later, and they're still doing it, I think that is a feat in of itself. So yeah, you know, with Charlie's untimely passing, you know, RIP to a great there. Maybe, maybe, maybe it just uh, you know evokes something, some sort of sense of um, you know Mojo Magazine duty. We've we've got to have these titans combine, and I, I'm glad it happened. It's certainly not you know the Yalta Conference. It's not this great kind of you know testament. It's not this great summoning of of these these wise old men. It's a kind of standard rocker, really. <laughs> that you didn't really need Paul on. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. So, um, but 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 I am had. I'm glad it's happened. And we were all, you know, we spoke about this before and we were aware of this and we're excited about this. And it is a cool thing. You know, undeniably, it's a very cool thing that Paul McCartney is on the new Rolling Stones album. And I'm glad it's happened. Yeah. Um, the fact that any kind of Beatles Stones collab at all in our lifetime feels like something that we're, we're, we're very fortunate to be a part of. It's not quite up there with free as a bird, real love, you know, but it's it's still quite interesting. Of course, um, Paul is also always chasing yeah. after that dragon that is an equal to play with you know ever ever since john's passing of course and maybe this would be something that would interest paul enough in that right. sense uh and fundamentally the stones don't have a, a, an iconic current bass player so paul is able to slip into this uh unit quite quite Neatly, yeah, they've actually. had that guy haven't they they've had that amazing guy for like the last three decades Stephen yeah, jordan but, but yeah that's right that's right yeah he's he's great well, they actually brought back Bill Wyman for this record. He's on like the eighth track, I think, like one, one of the ones that has Charlie on it. But yeah, they haven't had a proper bass player since like Paul released Off the Ground. Though that does kind of bring me to my next point, which is a kind of a missed opportunity. Um, I don't know if you remember, like in all of the mojo hype as it was for this track, they mentioned that mm. Paul and Ringo were going to be on Hackney Diamonds. But yes. I'm, I'm looking at the track listing now and the credits for, for the album. Ringo doesn't appear to be on it at all. And I know that, you know, they're probably living on different continents in a separate part of the world, but it's a bit of a missed opportunity to not have, you know, oh, Charlie's died. Oh, Bill Wyman's not in the band anymore. Paul and Ringo can both come in and do it, you know, to make the collaboration a little, a little more complete. It's just a shame that they didn't do that, you know? Yeah, I don't. I, I was wondering where Ringo was. You know, I'm sure there's another free track EP that he was busying mm. with. You know, fast forwarding <laughs> backward time with eight hands or something. You know, yeah. what, what, whatever Ringo does. Um, but but yeah, Paul was the one that I was really excited for. It was like, wow, what are they going to do? You know, Paul is such an accomplished musician. Even now, you know, in the old <laughs> day, he can play for three hours. He can play all these crazy patterns and things, and he can sing and he can go into all these different directions and genres and you know, whatever. And, you know, not to skip ahead too much, but this is such a meat and potatoes rocker. <laughs> like, you know, it's really, it's fulfilling in a kind of base level. Like it's just kind of a fun, you know, balls to the wall rock song, whatever, but there's no real invention here. You know, that main riff, the da na 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 just the, the E to the B. You know, it's not really, and that is the Stones. Don't worry about da na na Like Stones are the masters of just the basic earworm riff. But, Again, not to hark back to a bigger bang yet again, but um, the lead single off that, I was listening to this just before that came out in 2005, it's a song called Rough Justice. 
And it essentially is start me up again. But it has a really good riff. Like, it's a really fun riff, especially when it resolves into the chorus. Mm. And it's just like, this one's just a bit, and it's like, Paul must have, like, you know, on the surface been so happy, you know, what this represents, him and the Stones. But inwardly, he must have been scoffing a little bit, you know. It's just like, I don't know, you know. Yeah, it's clear that neither party was going to bring an old song from their drawer of unreleased tunes. And it's also clear that neither party wrote anything in advance for this occasion. And yeah, we have one of these low stakes, low effort, just for the fun of it, completely surface level kind of songs that, yeah, it isn't meant to be taken all that seriously, but that does have its downsides as well as its upsides. And you are right. This is an out and out stone song. Don't get it twisted. This is no more than just a Paul McCartney cameo on this record. It's not a true collaboration. And there is nothing to indicate that Paul is on it at all. I mean, at least like when you've got Say, Say, Say with Michael Jackson, at, at least they kind of wrote something moderately catchy in the studio together. But this just feels like, it's like okay, Mick and, and uh, Keith just kind of had this generic thing going. Let's just do a little riff. And then Paul joins in. And then they just heard a phrase, bite my head off. <laughs> yeah. Clearly the title came first. Yeah, it's just like, you know, the Stones music is all about space and the sort of gas between the chords. And Paul really began by defining the contrapuntal, you know, the counterpoint, filling in those gaps, you know, doing all these lines. And you just can't really do that with Stone songs. That's just not really how they operate. And yeah, you're right. I felt... I feel like the title came first, but when I first listened to this song and I heard the riff, I instantly knew that Mick was going to sing, well, you by my head off. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> yeah, there yeah. was no way he was going to sing a different melody to the riff, or I, I guess it's the verse rather than the chorus, yeah, yeah, yeah. but you get what I'm saying. It just, you know, it's so laid out. And I, I just had a little chuckle to myself hearing that. And it's fine. Don't get me wrong. I don't think this song is actually that bad, um, you know, but... It, again, no. it's not really that memorable. The, oddly, there is a Mick Jagger solo song that I love that's off the Jude Law Alfie remake soundtrack <laughs> called Old Habits Die Hard. It's a beautiful song written by Dave Stewart as well, I think. But it's, you, you know, Mick can really, you know, he's, he can be an artist when he wants to be, and he could be quite tender and be quite candid. But here... Here he's using the word jerk off and it's just a bit too much. Uh, no, no, the jerk off thing is so funny because like, you know, this is the band that wrote Cocksucker Blues and like they do have fuck in this song a couple of times and when that's juxtaposed against jerk off, it feels like McCartney's like infected this track like, oh gosh, you can't have like... No British person says jerk off. Yeah, no, like, no. There's one. no, like, you know, we use so much American slang and Americans use so much British slang. But I feel like jerk off is one of those things that no one ever says in this country. You just can't <laughs> say it. You can't say jerk off. I'm not trying to police anyone's language, but it's just, it's something you would never, you say wanker, like you wouldn't call someone a jerk off. Like, yeah. No, but it's like when Paul sings about highways and stuff like that. It's like, no, come on. It's okay. Yeah, we have the on, highway code. Yeah, but like, oh, yeah, that's, that's, that, that's the example that came, that came to my mind immediately. One of the th- well, there are two things about Paul on this song that kind of surprised me. Um, mm. you, 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 you were talking about the, the, the bass part, and you are right. Paul's strength is is taking a, a, a bass a bass line. You know, that's just the generic uh, playing the roots, playing the twelve bar blues, and then he'll take that away from the sessions. And then on his own, probably at home at Cavendish, and write a decent bass line, bring it into the studio the next day. And that's where sure. all the iconic bass lines come from, come together, something, you know, all of them. And here we, we, we're just 
suffering from the fact that this is all probably done in a day. And yeah, that's great for Run Devil Run, but for the for the ultimate Paul McCartney Rolling Stones collab, maybe like take a week on it. I don't know. Um, it's it feels like this is more of just a fun curio trivia piece than actually something worth getting all that fussed about. And the the other part that screams that to me is the fact that there's no Paul vocal on this. What the fuck, man? No. Where, why is Paul not singing on this? It would have been great to hear those two of Rock's most iconic vocalists together, but no, just they just didn't do it for some reason. He is he is name checked though. To be fair, <laughs> oh, but yeah, well, let's just talk about that name check because, like, does it go into like a bit of a bass solo bit there, or like is the bass brought it's up in the mix? Not really. It's just it's just him doing the riff, isn't it? But it's like yeah. fuzzed out. And it sounds great, you know, and it is kind of exciting. But again, there's no variation there. There's no just like little lick that Paul's thrown at the end. You know, like I'm thinking like, um, you know, you won't see me or something. You know, just nice (laughs) arpeggios in there. doesn't do anything like that here. It just, the bass sounds great. I'm pretty sure Jagger does like a Scouse impression. Like when he's like, come on there, Paul. Like he sort of seems to have that certain (laughs) affectation, you know, playing into those regional differences. But yeah, no, um. Paul does get name checked, which surprised me, but that's cool. But it's almost like, oh yeah, here's Paul McCartney, you know, the most impressive songwriter in the world. Yeah. He's playing two notes. You know, he's just doing that. And it, again, it's fine. Like I'm not, again, it doesn't have to be many notes. I, you know, I completely agree. Like some of the best riffs in the world are like two notes, but yeah, he, he lays it down. And then, you know, Keith or Ronnie, I'm not quite sure. One of them starts to solo over the top. I, you know, it, I'm not a huge Stones. I love everything about the Stones apart from their music. I've got to be honest. But I do <laughs> yeah, love Keith. Yeah. And I, lo- I love Ronnie. And I think they're both amazing guitar players. And I love the way they interweave. And like, you know, weirdly, the, the, the thing that got me into the Stones and actually made me appreciate them on a deeper level was our, uh, I was going to say a friend of ours, but someone that we greatly admire, uh, Scorsese. And um, yeah. he did Shine a Light, I believe it's called, from like 07, 08. It's like a New York concert. There's like Buddy Guy in it. And there's like Jack White. And it's just like a really good concert. And like they're, they're on fire in it. So so I love them. You know, I love that interweaving. But yeah, Paul isn't, again, it's a Stones album. It's a Stones rocker. Um, you know, I don't think anyone's going to be disappointed when they hear this. But I don't think this is going to go into any playlists I think this is just the, the Stones probably have a million songs that sound like this, especially probably in the last 30 years, just this kind of Stonesy Stones, you know. Yeah, the only place this song really has is in a future bootleg McCartney playlist where it's like, okay, here's everything Paul did, and oh, this is just another one of those things. It, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll cover it in an episode in about seven years' time, I imagine. Um, mm. Yeah, unfortunately, like just going back to, to, to the bass, you. It is such a shame that it is mixed so low and it is so fuzzy. I think that's good though. No, no. I think I mean fuzzy in a good way. Like it's mm. got that kind of deep tone to it, but you don't really hear Paul like that, to be honest. No, and like it, it, it is something different for him. Paul really doesn't do this kind of generic bluesy rock. And you're right, he probably was scoffing a little bit, but ultimately, this is just going to be one of those songs where everyone involved is having way more fun than, than the listener, unfortunately. I mean, this is nothing, but, you know, this is nothing that's no, really no. going to last, is it, you know? No, but I will say, listening to this song a lot for this, you know, the chorus, 
has a nice ride and gallop to it. Yeah, if I was a dog, you would kick me down. <laughs> like, again, it's dogs. It's like, you know, stooges, you know, or whatever. Like, it just feels like that sort of thing, like the leash and the chain and the bitch and the brain. And, you know, again, all these topics are completely standing, completely tropey. But it does have kind of a nice gallop to it. I, I don't begrudge it. I don't find it boring or interminable. Like, you know... Um, Come on to I, me. I <laughs> well, yeah, like, yeah. Or like, you know... Uh, again, I can't give you a specific song, but yeah. I remember ages ago we were talking about Tug of War because I'd never really heard it, and I found a lot of it like quite tepid yeah. and just kind Take of like it away, dry. Yeah. yeah, and it's just kind of like you know whatever. But it's like I think this sounds good. There's energy in this, you know. It doesn't sound really heated, um, yeah. but I don't really know what the song's about. Really, <laughs> it's about nothing. What is the message nothing. of the song? Because there's like a ship that's sinking. And then there's also sharks and like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, fundamentally, the the song isn't about it, it. It's about getting Paul in the studio with the Stones. That is that is literally it. And you know, mm. you, you you are you know, I'm not going to say that the, the song is bad or anything. And I don't think the whole album itself is bad either. There, um, there were other songs that I did enjoy more than bite my head mm. off. Uh, the next okay. track, uh, Whole Wide World, was was uh, quite nice. Angry the uh, the opening track yeah that yeah, was that the was video bit, to that's good that was a bit trash yeah. uh, again yeah. like I th- like you said this was a bit start start me upish I thought Angry was very start me upish especially since it was the opening to be honest, track most Stone songs are very start me upish like they ever since they did start me up yeah 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 literally literally I mean listeners will probably be familiar with a song of theirs called Don't Stop which was a song they released when they did Forty Licks their kind of big greatest hits. Yeah. Great song. The riff is literally start me up. Like it's ridiculous. <laughs> and it I love the song. It's a great song, but it's just kind of like, yeah, they it works. <laughs> if you just yeah. play an open chord on a telly with a little bit of, little bit of grit <laughs> on it, it sounds good. Like, you know. Uh also um the uh, Lady Gaga song, uh Sweet Sounds of oh. Heaven, is actually really good. It's very well yeah. done, it's very well produced. Andrew Watt, the guy who's produced this album, no relation to yes. Charlie Watts. Uh, he's like a very no. big time producer. He's like, he he's, is, he's yeah. knocked it out of the park. Like, it sounds good. It's just whether the notes chosen are that engaging is another question, I guess. Uh, the, oh, the uh, Elton John song kind of sucked, and the Stevie Wonder one kind of sucked as well. But yeah, overall, the album's been getting great reviews. I'm, I'm just on the, uh, Wik- on the Wikipedia now. The Times, five stars. The Daily Telegraph, five stars. Classic Rock, four and a half stars. So, everyone what about else? Metacritic, though? What's Matt uh, Critic saying? Uh, Hackney Diamond, uh, man looks up something on the internet. No, oh, no, I'm sorry. I, I'm looking <laughs> myself at the week. Uh, <laughs> I, I was giving you a lead in there. Um, 78, which again, yeah, is very good. I think, you know, everyone loves the Stones. It's not a bad record, like, you know, and, and Bite My Head Off isn't bad either. You know, it doesn't outstay its welcome. There's, it's not reinventing the wheel, but the Stones yeah. never were doing that. Like, you know, we often laugh, don't we, when everyone, uh, the idea of Stones versus the Beatles, like, it's not, it, oh. it doesn't make sense to me. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like, oh, y- you know, ants versus Jupiter. It's just like, you can't really compare these things. So it's like, yeah, um, it does what it needs to do. You know, a lot of people say the Beatles were the great studio band, the Stones were the great live band. And I don't, I don't mind that. You know, I think that's a nice distinction. No, oh, um, you're right. And I'm sure there's quotes somewhere from Paul just saying that the Stones were a great rock and roll covers band almost like a year before these sessions. So it's funny that they actually still did something and the Stones didn't take that personally. But yeah, everything you've said is very true. 
we, we all kind of went in with the expectations that this was kind of going to be a generic rock and roll song with Paul McCartney on it. And that's exactly what it was, though this might not be the end of it. There are rumours, uh, especially with the lack of Ringo on this album, that there is other stuff that mm. they recorded together. Uh, I'm sure the Stones will stretch it out on some special bonus boxes or another album or something like that. Yeah, but you know, it's it's yeah, and you, they're, they're both they're both big touring machines. You know, yeah, they're both, they've both never been roads. bigger. You, you never know. Yeah, I mean, no, no, they literally haven't. And and you know, you never know. Maybe Blasto 2029. Bite my head off is the closer. Like you know, as the fireworks go, it could happen. Ah, oh, and then they and then they bring on Paul, and then they all do come on to me, or who cares, or something like that. I love it. I love it already. But yeah, um, I mean, none of this was ever going to be as good as our real favourite Keith Richards material, which of course is his collaborative well, work with the great Tom Waits. Of, of, of course, we had yes. yeah, we, we had to talk about it. I like to talk about him on every episode I can, just to annoy the fans. Every, we, we, we'd recommend every song Richard has done with Waits, I guess, would that be a fair thing to say? Hell yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you've, you've got to think as well, Richard's, he didn't even, he didn't come late into the Waits story. Like he's on, he's on fucking Rain Dogs. Like that is unbelievable. Yeah. Like, you know, it's not like, oh, he was on Bone and he was like, you know, in the 90s and it was like, no. So yeah, I mean, the, the, the best thing about the Rolling Stones is Keith Richards and the best thing about Keith Richards is that he collabed with Tom Waits. And, and that, I'm not even saying that in a negative way in the slightest because I love Keith Richards. I have such respect for him. But, um, you know, um, people know some of his solo records as well. Is it Borrowed Time or something like that? Main mm. Offender, he's got some good tunes. But yeah, his work with Waits. And also the fact that he, you know, Richards is such a true original, but clearly he worships weights like you know he sees something in weights that you know and weights loves the stones right weights is like a giant stones guy so yeah weights played has played stone stuff live on i think sure. weights like stones more than beatles i'd say i'm just yeah. guessing no no no, no dude feel like there's only one link between beatles and weights that i've ever found and that's uh elvis costello and mccartney uh costello covered uh soldiers things from the swordfish trombones album mm. and put it in a medley with junk from the McCartney album, and it's actually fucking awesome because they're both like the same topic and the same kind of tempo. I'll put that as the bonus yeah. track at the end of this episode, folks. So listen out for that. But yeah, dude, thank you for coming on for a, a short while just to help me talk about this song. It's always nice to be on the pulse, yeah. like I say. Um, I just wish it could have been for some more fun content. <laughs> so, um, this is a fun song, though. This is not a bad, you know. Uh, it's just a bit of a letdown. It's a bit of a it's the, the winds out at Anima sales. That's what I'm going to say with this one. But um, folks, if you like this song, let me and Tom know in the comments down below. Drop me the email at paulbacconipod at gmail.com. Mm. Uh, let us know what you think about about this collab. Was it was it worth the wait, or should they have done this when it was relevant, aka half a century ago? But yeah, this has been a brief news update with Paul and I think. Let's get back to the show. One, two, three. Goodbye, everyone. And now that is all out of the way, let's quickly crack on with the plugs. To get in contact with the show, drop us an email at paulmccartneypod at gmail.com for daily updates and instant access. Follow us on our Twitter page, which is at McCartneypod. That's at McCartneypod. To check out more, uh, Paul or Nothing or written content, check out our blog, which is paulmccartneypod.wordpress.com. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by typing in Paul or Nothing or Paul McCartney Podcast. Of course, YouTube is the place where you can find our sister show, Mac It In Your Attic, where me and a guest go through their Paul McCartney slash Beatle collections. 
If you like this show, you'll love that one. Go and check it out. If you want to help out the show right away in a way that takes less than 30 seconds, please consider leaving us some form of quote-unquote interaction with the algorithm. Whether it's a like, a thumbs up, a tick, a comment, some stars, shouting about the podcast through some sort of window, maybe you're visiting a relative in prison. Tell them about the podcast. They may like it. It may help them get through their sentence. Regardless, please just help us with that algorithm, folks. I don't know how it works. You don't either. But yeah, it's always appreciated. And finally, if you want to help out the show directly, then please consider joining our Patreon family. Patreon is the platform, as I'm sure you're already aware, by which you, the public, can support independent content creators such as myself. It's not just a gimme, though. You do get your money's worth. You get two days early access to all episodes of Paul or Nothing. You get a week early access to Mac It In Your Attic. You get instant access to the video feed. So any episode I do with a guest, I'll record it via Zoom. And that will go unedited and unbroken with visuals straight to the Patreon. You get lost, deleted and bonus episodes of Paul or Nothing. You get all the scripts I write. As well as the exclusive Patreon vlog. This week there will be two Patreon vlogs going up because I've fallen a little bit behind. One of them, I'm going to be going through every name, moniker, nickname and pseudonym McCartney's ever had. And the second one, I'm going to be doing Red and Blue, but for Wings. The beer's Red and Blue, but for Wings. I'm sure you can work that one out. But yeah, if that excites you, if you like this show, if you like what I've been doing ad-free for five years and you want to show some form of appreciation, then please chuck a couple of dollars at my face down the internet every month. As they always say, it's like a cup of coffee. But you know what I mean. Thank you, everyone. Plugs are over. Let's crack on with a very strange episode of Paul or Nothing, where it's technically the Bar Ram You podcast. But yeah, take it away, not me. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon to wherever you are in the world listening to another episode of the Bar Ram You podcast. How are you guys? Been a while. I'm sure you're sick of me saying that. Um, no, it's been such a great weekend. I'm I'm buzzing to bring you this episode. If you're watching now, uh, I hope you really enjoy this one. It's it's taken me the guts of pretty much Friday night after we recorded. After we got off, I had a, a bit of tea, and then I think I was up till about midnight. Throwing in pictures, videos, trying to find clips of the the back masking, the music lyrics, and just chopping little. To be honest, there wasn't much chopping out. Uh, Sam and I flowed. Uh, we did have a toilet break, uh, a couple of bits here and there, but ultimately it was mainly just throwing in pictures and videos, which brings to to my to my main point, which is if you're listening, um, I mean, feel free to carry on, but I really advise people to. To watch this one, um, a lot of pictures, videos, clips uh, to to sink your teeth into. Obviously, them them being visual. I'm actually gonna go once I finish this uh, intro. I'm gonna look into Spotify because I know Joe Rogan's on Spotify on video now, and I don't know how that works yet. If it's available for all to just upload to Spotify, and also Podbean, I see that they have maybe had video for quite some time now, but I've always just added the audio clip. So the more places that can have video, the better for me. Up until now, I've only been using BitChute, Odyssey and Rumble. So head over there if you want to watch. Um, if not, just carry on, because I mean, there are, there are loads of 
pictures, especially the part where we compare, sorry, pre-1966 Paul McCartney to after-1966 Paul McCartney, you'll need to see those. Um, but I'm sure if you can't, you can go to my social media. I'll be posting a, a little collage video for you all to, guys to, to get your comments in. So that aside, uh, I must say I, I've thoroughly enjoyed researching this theory uh, it's been five or six weeks now since I first reached out to Sam and we arranged to do this episode in the first week of July but you know life happens and, and we recorded there on Friday. The episode in itself was so fun to do. Sam is such a quirky fun character, uh, good at impressions, had me laughing a few times. Um, it, it was easy going and the only critique I had that how quick the time went and we haven't even covered it. I felt like I could have gone on another hour or two. Some of the notes, I feel, have gone to waste. I really hope they're not. I, I mean, I'd love to do a part two uh, someday down the line. Uh, but So if there are things you feel like I've missed out, chances are I've got them on my notes or somewhere on my computer, and I can help you out with that, point you in the right direction. But for me... I did say early on when I first looked into this conspiracy theory, when I found out about the appearance change, you know, his eye colour um, and other things. I won't ruin it too much for you guys, but for me, that was the smoking gun. And then I found out through TikTok when I posted up a collage of uh, appearance comparisons. Someone was kind enough, and whoever you are, forgive me for forgetting the name, but someone commented on my my little collage that, I had to check out the memoirs of Billy Shears and I must say and Sam I hope you don't mind me saying this but when I mentioned the book to Sam on the, on the episode you'll hear Sam make a, a comment or, or a laugh or, or some snidey remark um, and, and I don't mean that in a bad way I mean we're all entitled to you know knock knock things and, and have your own opinion on things but that book in itself is not widely publicised and that for me you know perked my ears up and I went in search of a, a book review. Obviously, I'm not a reader, but I, as I, I keep saying this every episode, I am going to get into that. Um, I looked for some book reviews, even an audio book. It's hard to find. Um, and the book is very mysterious in itself. Even the author, again, I won't ruin it for you, but the book in itself is is, is really quite interesting and gives a lot away. Um, so... Yeah, for me, if anyone's interested, look into the memoirs of Billy Shears. And, I mean, you could go any any route with this one. It, it really does open up to a massive spider's web. You've got names thrown in here and there. You could have went in any, any direction. You could have looked down the Linda McCartney route with the things that she said on live TV. Um, you could have went down the manager's route, managers being killed, managers found dead, Um you know, there's, there were so many angles and unfortunately we, we couldn't cover them all in the show. So if you want, get your comments in and, and I'll definitely point you in the right direction or or, or at least try and help. Um, for me, this this is what I'll end by. The, the John Lennon question, John Lennon, Lennon was asked a question by an interviewer, which was, is the song Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds written about the drug LSD. Now, come on, guys, you and I both know, and I think everyone knows, the song was written about the LSD. It's well broadcasted that the, the Beatles were into psychedelics and things. Um, 
And he gave the answer that his daughter, I believe, drew a butterfly and the butterfly's name was Lucy and this guy with diamonds. And this is the answer he gave the interviewer. But that to me sums up this conspiracy, but not only this conspiracy theory, pretty much a lot that happens in the mainstream, they use this tactic. They'll, they'll tell a white lie to hide us from the dark truth. And I think a lot of the Beatles lyrics, a lot of the backmasking, a lot of the symbology is, is showing us the truth, um, but they're not going to outrightly tell us. Uh, I believe that they will one day. I think if you look into the memoirs of Billy Shears, there's a hint at the end of the book or the author has, has came out and said that there's a lot more to, to release. Um, and I think that in itself is a good metaphor to use, in my opinion. Um, also, the I must I must talk a little bit about Sam's uh, rebuttals at the end, um, and I and I hope Sam, you're not if you're listening, he's he's gonna do this for his episode. I've sent over the. No, he he actually recorded at the same time, so he's gonna do this and and put it up on his feed. So I'm sure he'll do his intro, and it's uh, Sam is such an easy guy to get on with. But I must say, the rebuttal at the end. Um, and this is this is where I earn my money, sort of speak. I wish I did earn money from this, but this is where I, you know, I'm worth my grain in salt. I believe that the rebuttal as to why this is um, bullshit in Sam's words could easily have been swung around in in my favour. I could have said that the reasons that Sam gave, which were why would they replace him? Why wouldn't you know? Because all it was was money and influence. I could say that. I could say they needed to replace Paul McCartney because without the Beatles, uh, sorry, without Paul, the Beatles wouldn't have been the Beatles. And the same effect that the Beatles had on society wouldn't have been the same. So it's just all about the way that you frame it. Um, also, the money thing that he said, like you, you don't realise how big the Beatles were if you weren't around at that time and the money that they were bringing in. Um, so again, it's just the way that you frame it and that's been a real thing that I've been battling with and, and how to, you know, put that out because I'm noticing that a lot on, on TikTok. I'm still, you know, active on TikTok and, and going into debates just to listen and observe. And I'm noticing that the people that, you know, the words just flow, the people that are opposite from myself, have that gift of being able to monologue and, and basically capture the attention of people and it can win. It can win you the debate on that alone. You know, if you go off in a big monologue about how, you know, flat earthers are idiots and that they don't, you know, that in itself is very hypnotic, and it, and it can capture the attention of of most people and can frame their mindset. They they're already writing off flat earth or JFK or the Beatles, the the Paul is dead conspiracy theory, based on a great monologue that's just flows. And Sam did that in his part three. And um, I don't have too much of, you know, I, I probably look as if I've got a real bee in my bonnet about it, but I don't, you know, it, it's like I've got, you know, such thick skin and I've heard it all so many times, but I feel that now, and because you've seen it, because I've had a guest on that has done this, it's a good time to kind of alert your attention to that, that tactic. Because it is, it's a tactic. And and hey, it, it goes both ways. There are conspiracy theories, theorists that do that 
against the, the sheep. I mean, my whole premise of my show is Baram you that I hope that I have the password to talk to the sheep. I'm not going to be a dick. I'm not going to slag them off, although I might at times, you know, sometimes I put memes on my Instagram, but it's mainly to spark that, you know, anger and in, in, in the hope that people see these, they don't like it. So they feel, right, I'm going to go and look into that and prove Baram you wrong. That's the reason I do it. But there are people way worse than me. And, and, and I just want you to, you know, do not allow that to shadow, overshadow your, your, your thoughts on any, any topic in any walk of life, whether it be your work life, your relationship or conspiracy theories and, and finding out the truth. Do not let someone's monologue capture and take away from the truth, you know? So I feel, I felt like that's kind of like the underlying thing with this conspiracy theory um again i don't want to spoil it too much but it's it's been a it's been great to look into it and it's really spurred me on that one day and I, obviously i'm not going to do it straight away i probably should because this stuff's fresh in my mind but i'm going to get back to the normal stuff that i do but i will cover the the john lennon conspiracy uh, and it's even made me think about like there's theories out there about elvis tupac bob marley Michael Jackson, like these are, you know, we we kind of brought them up in the show as well, and and you'll soon you'll soon know if you don't already know, I'm sure you do, about the theories surrounding those people. But it 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 gives you a a world view on how the that industry works, and as I said, not just the music industry. There's this is film, this is sport. You know, sports no different. It's been something that I've been looking into a lot in the last year. Anyway, guys. I've bored you long enough. Really hope you enjoy this one because I've really enjoyed it. And uh, drop your comments in. And remember to hit that like, follow, share, whatever, guys. You know the drill. Talk to you soon, guys. And turn off your TVs. Bye, guys. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of the Bar Am You podcast. As I said, uh, I'm really excited about this show. Um, it's a topic that's been on my list for quite some time. I would say one of the earlier episodes I ever listened to was an episode on the Sam Triple E podcast with those conspiracy guys um, talking about this. Uh, it's quite dark. I keep saying to to people that I talk to in my day-to-day life that I'm doing the, the Paul is Dead conspiracy and that it's, it, the reason I've chose it is because my own show has been quite dark recently and I'm what to lighten up. But, you know, something every time I look into a conspiracy and, and this is no different, it is quite dark. Um, and I thought 
the main reason I'm sure you guys have heard me say this tons of times, the main reason I haven't taken on something like JFK or even 9-11 is I think it would be handy to have an older head. No offense, I'm not in this case. I don't mean the old, the age thing, but with someone that is more, more was around at those times to know, to kind of get a feel for what was going on in the world and what the newspapers were saying, what the feeling was ab- across the seas. And in this subject about the Beatles and Paul McCartney, I felt it would be beneficial to reach out to a Beatles fan. Um, and, and I did that. And I'm, I'm so delighted to have Sam from the Paul or Nothing podcast on to help me frame this this uh, theory. Um, tell us about his love for the, for the Beatles, which I'm sure we all share. I don't think there's anyone. Well, there was one, and I'll, I'll maybe get into that story who who didn't like the Beatles. Um, but like, just to set the tone, talk about the the feeling in the in the sixties and the seventies, um, and, and I think that's very beneficial to any theory. So, thank you, Sam, for coming on. And I'm, as I say, I'm really excited to to have you and to talk about this one. Thanks for having me on, dude. This is really exciting. I am, I'm really excited to talk about Paul is dead again. I think I think I did my. I did a three-part series on it maybe four years ago now, something like that. And that was back in my podcast infancy when I kind of did the show a little differently. It's changed a lot now. And going back to those episodes was a little cringeworthy. So I'm glad I get to kind of revisit this with you. I do that a lot on my own show. I do these Listen With Sam episodes where I go back to albums I've already covered before and see if my opinions have changed. So I guess that's kind of what we're doing here today. I'll be interested if my opinions have changed, but we will we will get onto that later, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's always good to hear from from my perspective as someone that's open to having their mind changed. Cause I mean, I, I come across those the the people that are set in their ways all the time. And I mean, it, it's fun to kind of challenge them, but I, I do like that you are open to to change your mind, even though, and I must say, I listened to your three-parter. I listened to the first part when when I first reached out to you just here, actually. Then the other two parts were more recent. I think I listened to your part two on Sunday night while I was on night shift with the headphones in. Loved it. And and I must say, and I did say to you how uh, very open and very convincing you are. Like when I heard part three, I was stunned at the, 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 the change in your opinion which was good. Like I really enjoyed it and I really enjoy your style. I've said it to you before. So people, guys, if you're, if you're looking for a music podcast and you love the Beatles, Sam is definitely for me, not only the, the, the information that you're putting across, but the style. I've said that before. I like, it's almost like you're reading an audiobook, and I know you put a lot of effort into your shows. So honestly, guys, get on board um, and, and give Sam a listen. Um, and as I say, I have to say part three was, ah, uh, I mean, because I'm so thick-skinned and, and, and I enjoy it and I see what you are doing there, it it, it made for good listening, but boy, did it, it like kind of gave me a little bit of nervousness to jump on and, and like see what would, because you were very scathing and, and I hope today that you bring some of that energy because I, I, I'm not scared of it and I think it's good to be honest and all that, Um, but just know that it's all in good vein and, and, and it's, you know, as long as there's respect and all that, but don't feel that you can't interject and think that I'm maybe, you know, misguiding people. You You're know, a crackpot. It's fine, dude. <laughs> Don't worry. It's it's all good. It's yeah. all fake news, everybody. It's all fake Beatles news. <laughs> Paul McCartney, he's not even alive, okay? He was replaced <laughs> by a clan in the 60s, okay? Oh, my I, got, I got the files in my home. <laughs> 
So um, I guess, uh, yeah, we'll start. I've got my notes here and, and I've just started off by saying like a little bit about why you're you're such a big Beatles fan. Um, mm-hmm. if, you, if you want to get into, you know, that sort of thing um, and, and we'll just go on from there. Don't worry, bro. I've got my my little set menu here for these kind of questions. Uh, it all goes back to my parents. Uh, my dad had a copy of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, an album we're probably going to talk about quite a lot today. Uh, he stole that from his neighbour and he kept it, the name of his neighbour still written on in Biro to this day. And that's where the passion comes from. Eventually, he gets an old iPod Classic. Do you remember the ones that were about this big? Yeah, they weighed about yeah. 17 kilos. He got one of them and he filled it full of music. And this was, I mean, I'm, I'm 30 years old. So I'm in that kind of transitionary period of not having mobile phones to having mobile phones and iPods and streaming and LimeWire and all those things kind of came in as I was growing up and into, into adolescence. And suddenly I found myself with hundreds of thousands of songs and there was you know you're going through you're scrolling through the ipod and i get to be beatles and instantly i'm drawn to this music every song is catchy every song is memorable every song is iconic and i actually don't know that most of the songs that my dad has picked are actually off random anthology and unreleased tracks because back in those days limewire it was the wild west folks people could you could just title anything anything and people would download it uh, and so many of my original Beatle memories were formed in those early days, even though they were the wrong opinions. Like that song didn't lead into that song or that track didn't actually sound like that, yada, yada. Uh, then I go to secondary school, uh, a few years pass. And then with my iPod Nano, which helps kind of give the story a little bit of a narrative flow, I lend to a friend of mine. He puts on the album Revolver and that's when everything, everything kind of clicks. I realise what albums are, why track listing is important, why there's a certain flow and uh, ambiance to an album. That's when I, I, you know, when I first became a snob, basically. And then me and that chap, we did a Tom Waits podcast because we were even snobbier than that at one point. And after we had our own Lennon and McCartney split up, I thought, I can't do the Beatles. In the same way that you're a bit too respectful of Kennedy and 9-11 to just kind of go storming in to whether thermite cut the steel beams in the center columns or not you know you've got to you've got to you know tiptoe around you've got to talk about bigfoot first you know just kiss the thighs a little bit you can't you can't go storming into the center passage as it as it were and so i thought i'm not going to do lennon because his career's too short. I'm not going to do Harrison because I'm not interested. And Ringo sucks. So I thought I'd do a Paul McCartney podcast. And the thing that I think what you might be drawn to as a listener is the fact that unlike a lot of other podcasts out there, I went into it not knowing the entire McCartney back catalogue. I knew a couple of albums. But the point was, oh, I'm actually going to discover it with you. And the whole point is that I don't go in with the baggage of previous generations i don't go in thinking oh well this didn't get to number one back in 86 so it's a bad one i hate that kind of fixed view of the world i feel like that would lean very much into the view of a conspiracy type podcast mindset i'm not just going to accept what the dogma before me was and i'm going to go into this with my own fresh mind obviously that ethos declines the more of the discography i cover but um, you know, hopefully I've retained some of my uh, proletariat, young, angry McCartney fan uh, anger, as it were. 
um, I mean, I have I have like a Patreon now, which I, I don't get a lot, but it's, you know, I get enough to like pay my vinyl fees every month. Nice. And that does change you as a person. You suddenly start valuing things differently. And I'm reviewing uh, McCartney's latest book of photography right now. And it's taken me weeks to write a book review. And it's because fundamentally... I don't care about it. I'm not interested. And it costs £60 or £40 or 45 or however how much on the day, however many dollars that is. And it's just, oh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and you won't get that on another Paul McCartney podcast. You won't get them just going, oh, who cares? There's such a, a feverish cult aspect to a lot of uh, okay. Beatles fandom. And I've always tried to steer away from that. Uh, you know, every podcast I've done, I've never been afraid to go, yeah, that new Metallica track sucks or, yeah. you know, any, anything like that. I'm, you know, that's what will set you apart from a lot of them. Uh, you know, I imagine even within the realm of conspiracy podcasts, there are the ones that are more stringent and ones that are more liberal and there's oh, a yeah. certain um, ebb and flow in between. I bet there are super fans out there who think those conspiracy guys have already been compromised by the <laughs> oh, FBI sure. and they themselves are the psyop. Yeah. You know. Oh yeah. Guys, guys, I'm telling you. Last podcast on the left, they are paid by the government per giggle. <laughs> yeah. So the more of the episode they spend giggling and yeah. oh, oh who's the Oh, it's the guy who he was in the Wolf of Wall Street, was uh, wasn't he? One of those guys from that podcast. Oh, see the wife. That's one of the wife's probably top three podcasts. I would say even top one. That she she just loves those guys. Yeah, they, no, they are they are they are good. But sometimes you just want to know what gang stalking is and not what their comedic take on it is. Yeah. No, 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 no. What is it though? Can we just yeah. 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 Anyway, forget all about that. Uh, Paul, Paul and I think I'm going through all the albums. I've, I've just done Driving Rain. I'm doing all of the early 2000s stuff right now. If you like Paul McCartney and a bit of an acerbic, less uh, holier-than-thou take on his story, uh, not not just the albums, but all of his movies, his life, every project he's done, his poetry, art, whatever, you will probably be interested. So, yeah, that, yeah. plugs plugs are done. Let's, let's awesome. move into the meat of it. And I thought... The best thing I can do is explain to your listeners in no simple terms, what is Paul is dead. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> rather like the Freemasons, it's, it's a bit easier to say what Paul is dead isn't than, than uh, what it is. Because <laughs> what, when you say what it is in a kind of, it's not what you said, it's the way you said it kind of way where if you say it kind of flat and matter of fact, it does sound a bit silly, but yeah. you have to prep the story the, the right way. It is one of those, yeah, bro. <laughs> so, bro, have you ever heard? Paul McCartney died in 1966. What? Yes, that is the premise of Paul is Dead. Yeah. Paul McCartney, the man we all love, uh, is, is not James Paul McCartney. He is an imposter. Uh, either on the 9th of September, the 9th of November, or the 11th of November, 1966, Paul McCartney was either replaced by a double who looked a lot like him, a man who had plastic surgery, uh, a government clone, or a, a star child, or maybe some form of demonic 
entity. <laughs> there are many interpretations as to who he was replaced by. That doesn't matter at this stage. The fact is he was replaced. Mm-hmm. And the man who wrote yesterday and Eleanor Rigby and Here, There and Everywhere, All My Loving, I Saw Her Standing There, has not been writing these, this music ever since. He's not been you know, out there on stage at Glastonbury at 80, probably being kept alive by adrenochrome, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, that's that's not him. And this imposter has been running around, you know, uh, marrying Linda, having children, <laughs> marrying Heather. I mean, the real Paul McCartney wouldn't have married a woman with one leg. That would never happen. That's another bit of evidence for you. Um and basically, on that day, he'd had a car crash or was in a, uh, a car accident, like run over, potentially. Um, he he either blew his mind out in a car or lost his head, as it were. There's definitely a bit of symbolism in the in the beheading there. Anyone who's uh, a fan of Ari Aster's work will surely know what I'm on about there. And the idea is that he's he's died, and whatever shadowy cabal you want it to be, MI5, CIA, NSA, BBC, <laughs> uh, NWA, whichever one you want it to be, they decided that the Beatles were too powerful and too influential to just stop. Uh, maybe just the money train was too influential. Yep. And, and or, you know, maybe they're, potential as a mind control asset was too valuable to just let slip by the wayside. And so one Billy Shears. Billy Shears was brought in to replace McCartney entirely, both musically and in the public sphere. Although you can go into a, Folks, there are lots of subcategories within the Paul or Nothing conspiracy. I'm sure the same is with a lot of your, your, your episodes. There's a bit of pick your own adventure kind of aspect to some of these conspiracies. And one of them could be that from the very beginning, the Beatles were never writing their own music. And so that helps make a lot of make a lot more sense with you know further down the the line and pace over certain yeah. in, uh, inconsistencies. But yeah, this Billy Shears, he does all the training. Uh, he changes his, his appearance as much as he can. Um, there might be minor or major inconsistencies though, with things like appearance, height and voice. Um, and this actually leads into one of my favorite sub, sub, sub categories of conspiracy is that the reason the whole Yoko Ono th- uh, rift exists is because she met Paul before the car crash. She met Paul way before John. Uh, and so Yoko's comments that she didn't know who the Beatles were is actually rubbish. She was going to Paul, I think it was like for a loan for an art exhibit. And Paul's like, no, no, you should go and check out my friend John. Okay. But, but um, don't like hip, like hypnotize him and steal his, steal him from his wife or anything. Thank you. <laughs> um, oh, I was going to, I'm going to squeeze in a few more Paul impressions before the day is done, my son. But, um, <laughs> um, and then she goes off, she hooks up with John and then by the time she comes back and meets Fall, fake Paul, that's another of these words we'll be hearing a lot today, um, she knows he's the fake, and that's why Paul and Yoko don't like each other. Okay. Another interesting little factoid there. I, yeah. I, haven't, I haven't heard that one. Uh, as I say, I, I Makes sense, so. though. Yeah, that, that, there, this, this conspiracy theory, 
I almost felt like a detective. I felt like I should go into my my house at night, throw Paul McCartney on the wall, and do one of those spider web things, like or oh, Jane Asher, Linda McCartney. Are you telling me you don't have red ribbon in a drawer I, somewhere, no. ready to go with pins and cork? No. So, so many, so many names, so many different directions you can go with this theory, and and I, and I want to say that sometimes I think that's a good thing. It kind of makes the theory more plausible that there are so many leads and so many people saying things and in interviews and but then at the same time as well it, it's so messy and so this conspiracy theory is frustrating to get into because as someone who you know seeks truth all the time I'm like this is so subjective the 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 the, the lyrics that we'll get into the the back masking the pictures that we'll put on the screen for you guys to analyze for yourself one person will say, yeah, I hear what I want to hear. And then the other person will say completely different. And I think you see that throughout this whole conspiracy is it's very subjective. So I don't, I, I, I'm fully on board with people being a critique saying that, you know, the conspiracy theorists are wanting to see things and therefore they're, they're, you know, they're tricking their own minds. I get that. Um, but for me, the occult side of things, and we'll get into that later. It, it's something that's very prevalent in my show where no matter what conspiracy theory I cover, I always have a section telling you guys that, you know, this number appears rarely, uh, regularly. We all know the Freemasonic numbers, 33 being the highest level of Scottish Rite Freemasonry, 13 uh, York Rite Freemasonry. And they, these numbers appear throughout a conspiracy theory. I usually use them as like confirmation bias. Not, and I'll openly admit, I'll look at, mm -hmm. as you said earlier, does... Um, Jet fuel melt steel, steel beams. Uh, is it possible to fly a, a plane? You know, all these things about 9-11, we all look into. And after that, I'll look into the symbology and the and the, the occult, the gematria. And if there's any of it there, I'll, for me, I'm kind of like, I'm on board. I'm, I'm you know, I, I believe it. Yeah. And with this one, it's it's no different. And thanks for taking on the, the for me, the, probably the hardest task is to, to tell the listener what the theory is, because in that story there about him, um, I've got in the, the early hours of Sunday morning on the 11th of September, 1966, and you were right again, some people you listen to will believe it's November, November 9th, is it? Mm -hmm. or, or Yeah, because of the way that the, the, the UK has their date and the America obviously has the month first, you know, there's a gray area there. Uh, I've, I've also got that, he picked up a hitchhiker named Donna and then on someone else. No, got, it's lovely Rita. Egg, yeah. On one podcast, I'm hearing the name Donna and, and that's why the, the the song was written Lady Madonna. And then I hear... <laughs> I've never I, heard that one. I know. Oh. <laughs> and, then, and then on another podcast, I'm getting the name Rita. Um, You're listening to other podcasts. Man. Yeah. Well, uh, see, as as a podcaster, uh, I, I admit, like listening to documentary uh, podcasts, documentaries, I'm not much of a reader, which is my letdown. I need to same. Get oh, dude, dude, it's books suck. <laughs> books suck, folks. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> but, but but I will tell you as well. Uh, the memoirs of Billy Shears, which is a book that I was told about when I <laughs> I put a little promo on my TikTok. Um, last week to advertise this this episode and someone I didn't know must have uh, found my post and, and commented, have you read the memoirs of Billy Shears? And I've listened to a couple of reviews, um, mm. uh, one in particular by the Sage of Quay, 
podcast. He's becoming the the Paul is dead guy. He's he's always appearing on people's shows. It's it's kind of his niche now. Oh, um, you've got to hook me up with this guy. I'll yeah, he, he's uh, very all about the occult, which which suits me, and I'm gonna give him a follow. So yeah, shout out to the Sage of Quay. Um, the the book is after again, I've got to be honest. It is classed as historical um, historical fiction. Uh, the theory is that the 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 author, who is called Tom E. U. Harriet, who no one knows <clears throat> if they're real or not because they've never appeared on an interview. They they do have a Facebook, and um, this guy Sage of Quay, Mike Williams, I believe his name is, has reached out and contacted him, and has consistent contact. But there's no evidence that this guy is is who he says he is. There are theories out there that it's actually Billy Shears. And, and when you read the book and you, and some of the, the information that I've already picked up from the book is it sounds very much like it's it's Billy Shears himself writing the book. Um, it, it fascinates me that that Paul McCartney hasn't sued the Tommy U. Harriet for some of the stuff that's in there because... Dude, Paul McCartney doesn't sue for the reason he doesn't sue me for using his music in his podcast because you don't you don't acknowledge the plebs... Okay. okay. <laughs> you just you you just don't, and I I accept that. Okay. I mean, look, look, look. I mean, there, there, there's a lot to take into account when going into a conspiracy like this. Like, first of all, you know, the guiding hand always gets you in the door. This clue says this. No, no, let them listen to it, and then let them see if they hear something. Um, you know, you've got the confirmation bias of there are clues, I will find them. You've got frequency illusion because there's loads of clues, so that makes them appear more legitimate, but two million pieces of shit is still one big piece of shit. <laughs> uh, and then you've got pareidolia, the the idea of like p- perceiving vague and often random stimuli as being significant or connected or having a pattern. These are all things you have to take into account. And if you can... Honestly, look at yourself in the mirror and say, I've done that due diligence and I've still got things that I find interesting. Then I will have a genuine debate with you. But if you're telling me that Paul McCartney was replaced by like a lizard person or something, I'm really just going to be like, okay, where's the morph, the biological morphology and like the evolutionary biology uh, factors that would make this like stuff like that really bugs me, you know? Uh, I don't want to have an SCP kind of podcast here where we're talking about, you know, fake, creepy pasta stuff. Let's no, no, just, no, 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 no. Trust go, me, I'm, let's, I'm, let's, not, that, I'm yeah. not that uh, deep in the rabbit hole uh, yet. Again, I'll, I'll look into it and, I, and I, there's no... I don't I think mean, skinwalkers are going to appear in <laughs> this at, at any yeah. point. Um, you know, maybe Cthulhu might make a cameo at the end. I don't know, but... <laughs> I'll try and make it as interesting. Yeah. As no, for I me, can. I think I think it's good to touch on that there are even within the the Paul is dead conspiracy there are two camps almost. I heard, I heard this last night on that that episode. That there what are you mean, like, rubes and not rubes? Yeah. So, so <laughs> the guy the guy explained it as like Paulism versus uh, like the whole. He 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 thinks it's like um, there are people out there that are all about the original Paul. They believe that they believe in the the creation story of four guys going into a record. Well, you, I mean, you can tell that mm-hmm. story a little bit better than me, but like how they how they were started, um, and then there's him, and this is the side that I kind of go with that 
that the Beatles were uh, a Tavistock project that were created um, for, you know, social engineering and all that stuff that yeah. you, again, will be better at. Because I, I actually, that is kind of something that I probably will do an episode on further down the line, being in the politics and conspiracy, which I believe are combined, the whole shift from one way of lifestyle. So, and again, I'm not a religious person, but the way we lived our lives in the pre-1960s, pre-Beatles, if you will, was more, you know, religious traditional values, and the Beatles really shook that up. So when I hear this guy talking about that stuff, it does perk me up, up for other reasons. But, that, you know, I find it fascinating that a Beatles, a band, a band, never mind the Beatles, can can do such such work. Like, in, as you said to me the other day when we had our first call, they did their, what was it, the expression you said? They did their 10,000 hours. They, yeah. they were everywhere. They always had an influence. They were in magazines, interviews, you know, they were everywhere. So um, for me, that's the side I'm going with. I, I don't believe it was a, a reptilian. I, I actually believe cards on the table that I believe that I'm, I'm never a hundred percent on anything, but I do believe that the original Paul is no longer with us. And I believe that Billy Shears um, is an occultist. I believe he's he admits that he was, for the first eight years of his life, he was trained by Alistair Crowley and that um, Paul and John made a Faustian bargain in Stockholm in Sweden um, in, the, in 1963. And basically the, the, the Faustian bargain is the deal with the devil where blood has to be shed in order for success. And I believe that Paul was was sacrificed. Basically, that's the the dark occult side of this conspiracy theory. That again, you know, it, it, it's dark. It's it's hard for people to hear. But I'm fully on board. I I almost want to say I know, and I know people will, will critique me for that. But I know that's the way that that's the world we live in. Whether it whether it's true with Paul or Eminem or Ed Sheeran or any of these celebrities, I know one of these at least has done that, and I, and I would be pretty confident to say that most have um the issue with with paul mccartney one is yes i agree to find someone that looks remotely like him that can play you know that can write songs that can just step in um is a hard task not impossible in my opinion but that's that's kind of where i come from well um before I truly respond to that, just something that I thought of then. Surely John was the one who was eventually sacrificed. Yeah, that and was and the real and maybe the real like a lot. Of, I mean, I think a lot of this does come down to the fact that John was killed. I mean, we're going to go to the timeline shortly, and it was around sixty nine that it really took off, and it had a chance to become a cultural phenomenon before Lennon died. But I think the death of John is a trauma that even impacts this conspiracy and bleeds into it. I mean, just go back to what you were saying. The the centre of this conspiracy is that the overall importance and cultural influence of the Beatles is unparalleled. Folks, you've got so many channels and websites to go on. You've got so many re- like, uh, ways to absorb content. In 1963, when they come to the United States, you've got like three or four channels of all just boring white men in suits going, ladies and gentlemen, you know, it's all just that. That's all you have. And then these, and then your president is killed. The 
the symbol of youth is stripped away from the country and suddenly they are everywhere because there is no other place for them to be other than everywhere. You are either Marilyn Monroe or you're in the background. That, that That's just how popularity was that you couldn't have your own Instagram and make enough off your own Patreon and just be famous with the people you're famous with. And that kind of influence puts them in a unique position of uh, potentially in the eyes of the establishment, maybe being able to make or break the very systems that they existed within, whether it's getting the youth to devalue religion. John's comments, you know, we're bigger than Jesus. Let's not get, um, you know, Southern American, well, he's, he's a blasphemer. I'm not about that, but the idea that, yeah, the youth are moving away from organised religion. That was just a fact. He was just saying it. But again, he's the poster child of that kind of uh, thinking, the devaluing of the family, uh, you know, with free love, that that kind of thing, uh, engaging in drugs, tuning in, tuning out, uh, rebelliousness, youthfulness, um, tearing down old powers, you know, back when tearing down old established systems actually had meaning to it. Uh, and it wasn't just about attacking every statue in a downtown square somewhere. Uh, <laughs> but the Beatles had that power. They had that influence. And that's the centre of the conspiracy and that 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 is correct the other thing i want to just bring up before we go into the timeline is who says paul is dead means paul is literally dead mm-hmm. this could just be symbolic and in the way that every idiot who thinks the bible is literal doesn't realize that it's actually a bunch of symbolic metaphors to give desert folk who are illiterate something to live by so they don't kill and rape each other Paul is dead could be a similar thing this is a way for certain people in the music industry to kind of say yeah Paul has changed Paul is different uh Paul is dead you know the, the Paul we knew that wrote those early songs is now gone and you can see that because around the time of Paul is dead is Sergeant Pepper's not a Lonely Hearts Club band and that is the turning point when it goes from John Lennon's band yeah. to Paul McCartney's band. Sgt. Pepper is Paul's idea. It's his concept. John writes a couple of throwaway numbers just to stock up the album, but it's all Paul. It's all him from that point onward until it ended. And, you know, you see that on the Pepper cover, the four waxwork Beatles looking sad. Uh, Ringo's got his hand on Paul's shoulder and they are looking at their own death and... You know, you can even link this to ego death and LSD and, you know, the melting away of the previous self and the soul and being reborn. And then you can even link that to the things the Beatles were doing around that time, uh, you know, in terms of their Eastern influences as well. Uh, uh, the Maharishi Maharishi Yogi and all of those Eastern influences that the Beatles brought to the West pretty much single handedly. Um you know, again, death, rebirth, that's a very Eastern kind of philosophy rather than kind of the just uh, a serfdom, death, heaven a cycle of the West. I don't even know where I'm going with this any, any, anymore. <laughs> Look, there's a lot that, that, that there's a lot to this. Uh, it's all very interesting to talk about, and it does have real-life applications, whether you believe it or not, I yep. think is, this, is, is the safe thing to say. But um, shall I give everyone a quick rundown of the timeline before we yeah. get too confused? 
Uh, this is actually been very interesting for me because I've never actually put this in in order before. Like, uh, normally on, on the podcast, like, I I split mine up by topic rather than date. Okay, and uh, it's funny to see just how much happens in a short space of time. Actually, on the twenty sixth of December sixty five, Paul McCartney suffers a moped accident whilst visiting his family in Liverpool. He chips his tooth. You can see the evidence for this in the paperback writer and Rain music videos. In September 1966, Beatles press agent Tony Barrow began receiving a number of phone calls from people asking whether Paul McCartney was all right, to which he replied that he'd recently just spoken with McCartney and nothing was wrong. So suspicions are brewing. Uh, Wednesday, the 9th of November 66. Uh, this is the most widely accepted date for the, the Paul is Dead conspiracy, though there are a couple of others here and there. 26th of May 67, you've got Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band being released. On the 7th of January, 67, a similar rumour circulates in London that Paul McCartney has been killed in a traffic accident whilst driving along the M1 motorway on the 7th of January. Uh, McCartney's Mini Cooper was involved in an accident outside of London, and it was run off the road. People see the car, they panic, although apparently at the time it's being driven by a Moroccan student named Mohamed Hajij, and McCartney was not present. 69. Uh, just early 1969, that's that, that's all it says. Uh, Terry Knight, a singer who at one point was an Apple employee potential, releases the single entitled St. Paul, where he directly references the conspiracy. On the 1st of July 1969, John Lennon, along with Yoko Ono and their son Sean, are involved in a car crash up in Scotland. This is the reason why John was late to the Abbey Road sessions. On the 17th of September 69, we have the first known print reference uh, written by Tim Harper about the conspiracy in the Times Delphic, a newspaper of Drake University in Des Moines, Iowa. Harper claims to have gotten the story secondhand from a friend who heard it on a radio show and read it in underground newspapers at the time. Then on the 12th of October, 69, a caller to a Detroit radio station, WKNRFM, told disc jockey Russ Gibb about the rumour and several of its clues. Many of them were established. Some of them he probably made up on the spot at this point. Uh, Gibb and other callers then discussed the rumour on air for the next hour, during which Gibb offered further potential clues. Then on the 14th of October, two days later in 69, the Michigan Daily published a satirical review of Abbey Road uh, by Unity Michigan student Fred Labour, who had listened to the exchange two days prior, and he released McCartney Dead, New Evidence Brought to Light. Uh, I go into that a lot in my show, but we'll talk about it later here as well. Uh, on the 21st of October, 69, WABC disc jockey Robbie Yong or Yonge discusses the rumour on air for over an hour before being pulled off air. Not because of the cabal, but for just breaking format. Then on the 22nd of October, a day later, McCartney has had enough of the Beatles and of London, and he packs up with Linda and the kids and the dog, and they head off to his farm up in Scotland. On the same day, Peter Brown gives him a call and confirms him as alive again for fans. 24th of October, 69, McCartney agrees to speak with BBC's Chris Drake. The interview takes place at the singer's High Park Farm in Campbelltown, Scotland. McCartney suggested that because he's adopted a lower public profile recently, that that might have uh, you know, contributed to the conspiracy because he used to do an interview a week. Then on the 7th of November, jumping forward, the Paul is Dead fiasco is still kind of going on, and Life magazine publishes an article all about it. 
and they basically go up to Paul's farm to get more clues and to try and get him to give a statement. This is when Paul is really pissed off and he comes out of his seclusion and he punches one of them and he throws a bucket of fish heads at another one. He's really angry and everyone's more concerned about the Paul is dead stuff. And it's actually in this interview when Paul says, so yeah, um, the Beatles thing's over. And that kind of skirts under the radar. People are just walking about whether he's dead or not. Then on the 10th of April, 1970, Paul quits the Beatles, is the headline in the Daily Mirror. Then finally, in May 2007, Bettina Krishpin, a woman who claims to have had a love child with Paul McCartney, claims he has faked his paternity test. And that brings us to the modern day where we have dozens of Facebook groups, Twitter pages, Instagram pages, YouTube videos, all detailing Paul is dead to various degrees. We even have that uh, Last Will and Testament of Billy Shears book, like you say, and there's even the Last Will and Testament of George Harrison kind of faux documentary thing uh, going through the conspiracy as well. I mean, it's never been bigger. It's never been bigger as a conspiracy. And it makes sense because the Beatles, even though they broke up like 50 years ago, are still bigger than ever. They still have that same kind of cultural influence. And I think no matter what version of the multiverse you are in, you are going to get a Beatles conspiracy wherever you're from, whether it's they didn't write their music or whether they all died or, whether they're all actors or whether they change people throughout. You know, there's always going to be a Beatles conspiracy no matter where in the cosmos you are from. And we just happen to be in the one where it's Paul McCartney died. Right. Let's go through some evidence then, shall we? Let's go through some evidence. I need some more whiskey. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for that. I was, uh, that's that's why I I reached out to you just for that. (laughs) You know, the whole timeline thing. It's, It's very, for me, a lot of these links and names come up and it's like, do I, do I go down that path? I could have easily have went down the, the path of the DNA test that you mentioned. I didn't. So, that, I mean, the whole point of these podcasts is we know that in the, the one to two hours, we can't cover every aspect, but just to have a general chat, put as much information out there for the listener to, to make up their mind on, on the, on the subject is, is what I'm all about. Um, I would love to see... You you know what, I'll just explain the DNA thing. Um, Basically, there was a German lady who claimed that Paul had a baby with her uh, in the late 50s or early 60s during their Hamburg days. And basically, the expected results of the paternity test were not as expected. And the idea is is that it's not the same... Billy Shears does not share the same DNA as the original Paul McCartney, which would be, you know, through his insemination of this woman as the original Paul McCartney would have passed yeah. on his DNA. And because they don't match, it's not because she's a, a, a crazy kraut who was just making up some bullshit. Uh, it's because Paul was replaced in the sixties and yeah. DNA doesn't match. But yeah, back to your train of thought. My yeah. I, could, I, I couldn't let that one lie. No, 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 no. I'm glad that's, that's what you're here for. Um, I, I, I will say there probably is a lot of, links and leads that that do lead you down the garden path like with most conspiracy theories um again i think it's it's just just pulling them up just to you know cover them and and i think that's the bare minimum that that we can do um so uh yeah so let's get on to the lyrics or the appearance whichever one um i i said to sam sam's been kind enough to to host this today 
and what we'll do is we'll hopefully be uh, after the episode's done, I'll be putting up you know pictures yeah. on the screen. We'll even have an interlude, and we'll put the magic of movies, baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm I'm getting better, but I'm not quite at the level where we can do it live. You know, do it as we're chatting. We'll um, do it live. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> so so hopefully, as we're talking through the appearance and the the lyrics, you'll be hearing, you'll be seeing, and and making your own mind up. And please, this is the part where. You know, get a bit of feedback, get your comments in. Me and Sam would both, I'm sure, like to hear what your thoughts are um, on on the the differences in in appearance and what you hear in the bat masking. Which I must premise, for me, the bat masking thing need we need to premise that this is a this is a tactic, um, or not a tactic. This is a technique that that I believe that George Martin was was good good at and and many other record labels have that that gift i think the beatles were not the only ones that use this technique which is the art of when you play songs in reverse it says alternative things i i remember listening to and again an episode on sam triple e where he had someone on showing i think it was david bowie's music a lot of back masking in his music very dark very demonic um but with the beatles there's a lot of lyrics which apparently and it's up to you guys to but a lot of them sound like they're saying things that would go along with the theory that paul is in, in fact dead um just to say though backmasking wouldn't exist without the format it's printed on which is vinyl records and something that happens when you spin a record backwards against yeah. the grain. Yeah. And this is now here's the sub this, you, you know, that meme where it's like the guy with the gun to the back of his head, but then the, there's the guy with the gun to the back of his head. And there's a guy in space with another gun. The real conspiracy here, folks, is if you spin your records backwards, you fuck up the record, you fuck yeah. up your needle, you are now in you are now indebted to the vinyl industrial complex. <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you've now got to buy another record, you've got to buy another stylus or needle, or even a new record player. Mm-hmm. This could totally be a thing. Or even just, oh well, I'll buy one record to spin backwards, I'll buy one record to play normally. Like I do that with a lot of McCartney records. Whenever a new one comes out, I'll buy one for the for the plastic velour case okay. and and one to fuck up. And <laughs> to say that this isn't a factor in it at all, kind of like you know the whole like 9-11, did Bush cause 9-11 or did Cheney just capitalize on it? I think there's a Dick Cheney at Apple Core who's like yeah, I'm going to shoot a guy's face off in a hunting uh, game and and then we're going to sell more albums. There's certainly an element like that to this as well. I mean, mean, the Beatles definitely pushed this, regardless of whether it's true or not. Regardless, it's a narrative that was pushed to sell records and we're all fools all on hills. Yeah. No, no, I, I, I totally... I mean, that is a very plausible theory. And, and, and in fact, I probably believe it because we live in a, a capitalistic society, still do, uh, as much as some people might disagree. And that is a, a great way of making money. Um, however, as you said, whether that changes what's actually being said is a different story. But I, I just, I, I did feel it's it's good to premise that this isn't just people 
looking into things and going, oh, that's that. This is a, te- it a technique. It was a thing. It, it was a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I, as I say, I, I didn't know that it was a thing until you know, researching this. this well, episode. weirdly, like, when you go back to the 80s, it's, like, heavy metal bands that do it, like, Summon Satan. <laughs> and it's, like, and, like, no, it's more, like, a way to... I feel like if vinyl records had been around in the Bolshevik Revolution, it would have been a way to be, like, the Reds must defeat the Whites in the Urals. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, to put secret messages in like that, like, Lenin must beat... Um, <laughs> Oh, no, hang on, wait. Who were the... Th- Kamenev, Zinoviev, and Bukharin. Boom. Those were the three uh, threats to Lenin. Bam. No, or three threats to Stalin. Something like that. Okay. Rus- Russian history, mind, mind fart. That's not going to make the, the final edit, <laughs> but let's press forward. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so so I know you did a great part. I think it was your, was it your part two that was full of, of what we're about to talk about. So first and foremost, if you want to hear more of this stuff, Head over to Sam's part two. The other uh, source that I've heard is good. I haven't, you know, watched it or looked at it. Is cranberry sauce? Apparently, that's the the go to for all of these backmasking examples in the one place. Um, for for today, um, for me, I've got written down here some that we could walk through and just get your, I mean, your uh, belief on it. Uh, is that? And now this one, I, I know we'll save this one for last, and you'll see why. The Paul is dead man, miss him, miss him. What's your thoughts on that? I believe that is from I'm So Tired. So I think the best way for us to do this uh, mm-hmm. is to go through chronologically because there is a certain okay. story to it. And uh, one of the great things about Sgt. Pepper, it, did, it, it, it didn't have any singles. It's that good of an album, baby. But it mm-hmm. did have some non-album singles from the sessions starting with Strawberry Fields Forever. Yeah. Uh, as you mentioned, the classic cranberry sauce uh, is the excuse that yeah. uh, Fall and the Illuminati, Cabal, Shadowy Collective used. Uh, at the end of that song, uh, during the closing, bum, 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 as you'll hear uh, shortly, I'm sure, you will hear someone go, I buried Paul. <laughs> And supposedly what Lennon was actually saying is cranberry sauce. And for me, it's either a real fuck up in terms of the admin of the evil cabal. Like, why are they letting this through? Mm. Uh, Why is this being able to make its way to air? Uh, or it's a fantastic example of the Beatles being ahead of the curve and they know about this conspiracy already and they're already laying seeds for this. I mean, you could see the whole Paul is dead thing as the uh, horrible exploitation of certain mental states within the general populace. And because we live in a world where there are real conspiracies, where the Gulf of Tonkin happened and the Titanic probably wasn't the Titanic and Mm -hmm. 9-11's really fucked up, it's easy to see why people can latch on to something like this. Can I help? I'm saying help you out. You don't need my help, but like... (laughs) um, would you say, here's my first question, I suppose, and, and this is the type of dialogue I'd like to see going probably forward, uh, or at least at the end, is I'll ask you questions, I want to hear your answer, and you, 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 vice versa, you can bite back, you can ask me, you can, 
you know, question me, put me on the spot. But would you say that for me, the lyrics points out to me that either the conspiracy is true or that it's a it's an elaborate joke, it's a hoax. But but the very minimum, they knew that this was going on and they fueled it with their lyrics. Because to me, there's, that's the only. There's no in between. You've okay. either got to be all or nothing. It's either all bollocks. Okay. Or it's all true. I really so, don't see a grey area here. I'm, dude. I am one of the least confrontational people I know. Oh, I, I hate to take a side. I'd love the Labour Conservative Party to take over the UK. I'd love the Democratic Republicans to take over the US. You know. Yeah. Um, I would be a Sunni Shiite if I were Muslim. And, you know, I cannot be that person with the Paul is dead conspiracy. Okay. It's it's totally either all rubbish or it's all true. Okay. So there is there is nothing that there's no spanner for either side. Okay. Everything's either a smoking gun or everything's a misdirect and a psyop. So so then, I I mean, see, when I first uh, listened to this episode, I might have put a post up uh, at the time, and I'm talking like five years ago when I first heard about this theory, and my cousin, who's a a huge Beatles fan, messaged me saying that the Beatles were actually asked about this theory and and admitted that they, they they were pranking everyone. Is that not true? Yeah, um, the the walrus was Paul is a line we'll get to shortly. That's okay. the uh, the the bigger one there. But they've all, in various interviews over the years, kind of leaned towards that. But are they being coerced into saying stuff like that? There is always a counter argument. That is, a lot of this is like a law case it's not about whether it's true or not it's can you prove something beyond a reasonable doubt and when you see things like paul mccartney in a certain photo looking six inches taller than he did regardless of your knowledge of photography and lighting and perspective you can see why people would be suspicious about certain things yeah. like this. And when you are stoned off your tree and you're probably taking a tablet or two and there's some, uh, you know, hippie chick in a poncho giving you a half soft handy in a tent somewhere and you hear, I buried Paul. Yeah. Mind blown kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not saying that this is just a bunch of like stonerisms because uh, that's that, that's a very convenient way to write off a lot of conspiratorial talk and you know put down dissent that kind of thing. I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. But if the shoe fits, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. Um, I mean, let's 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 move on to the future. We've got. Um, from the from the main album, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. I can't wait to talk about the cover because that's that's the kind of uh, pieta resistance, the coup de gras of the conspiracy. But uh, at the very start, you've got um, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely. That backwards is. It was a fake mustache. It was a fake mustache. Yeah. Uh, and then at the end, um, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club And in the mixture of all that, you, 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 you can hear Paul going, yeah. 
but if you slow it down and you really focus, yeah, he was dead. He was really, really dead. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Stuff like that. That's very interesting. Next track, with a little help from my friends, we've been introduced to Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, the new Beatles, the Death Rebirth Beatles. They're not the Beatles. They're Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Do you get it yet, everyone? You know, they are giving us the signals, the hints here. I feel like a bloke in a club and a woman's trying to say she wants me sexually. and I'm just not getting the signals because I'm a stupid man. Um, but yeah, moving on to with a little help from my friends, we are introduced to Billy Shears. And supposedly, um, the act you known for all these years, they had to think of a name that rhymed with the years, so they thought of Billy Shears. Mm. And what's interesting here is the fact that Billy Shears doesn't go into a Paul McCartney vocal, it goes into a Ringo vocal. Mm. And you can see this as almost like a compromise with the dark cabal. Like, we're going to mention Billy Shears by name, but we're going to go to Ringo. Okay. And... You could see the powers that be being like, that's a calculable risk. We'll go with that. <laughs> we'll go with that. Um, on to uh, She's Leaving Home, uh, a song that kind of does mourn the tragic uh, uh, abandoning of the home unit, you know, a, mm-hmm. a, a young girl going, going off to kind of make her wares with a possibly salacious character. But... Um, the opening line is Wednesday morning at five o'clock, which, mm. uh, I mean, only one of those dates actually conforms to the Paul is dead conspiracy, yeah. but that's supposedly when Paul had his fatal car crash. Same album, we got lovely Rita Meter made, supposedly the woman who got in the car and maybe caused the crash was called Rita. Was it Dora you mentioned earlier? Uh, Donna. Donna, yeah, yeah. Um, it was a uh, Maradona got in the car with Paul and uh, he was kicking a football around, <laughs> crashed. No, um, supposedly a fan got in the car and either her freaking out because she didn't know it was Paul, like that's the kind of um, the, the towers collapsed naturally conspiracy. Like a woman got in a car with Paul, they crashed, and mm-hmm. then everything else was capitalization. But you could also go the whole eyes wide shut route. You know, I will sacrifice myself. And that woman got in the car to intentionally crash it to to give birth to the star child, whatever you want it to be. Um, There are all those permutations there. Mm -hmm. And again, that is what I love so much about Paul Paul, uh, McCartney and Paul is dead, that it's a bit of a Rorschach conspiracy. Mm -hmm. Like you throw some ink at it, you're going to see something that you want to see. Yeah. And mm-hmm. a lot of that is because of the the breadth of the Beatles artwork. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure that there are people in trench coats huddled over burning barrels in New York streets, twitching, who say like, you know, uh, I saw her standing there. Who did you see, Paul? The woman when you crashed? You know, you, you, you can definitely apply anything you want to these lyrics. Yeah. But the important thing is that all of these songs came out after Paul died. That's why these are all linked. There are no clues to Paul is dead in yesterday. You know, there are no clues to Paul is dead in any time at all. Or don't... So, that, so then uh, for, for my own peace of mind as well, uh, and, and I should know this, was, was the back masking and the symbology in the album covers all post you know, all after 1966. Um, yeah. There's there's, there's not a single example 
of any of this happening before he died. Okay. It's not like one of those ones where you can go back and say, oh, God, he was being led to the slaughter the whole time. Well, I mean, Um, I'm sure it it, it, it leads more to... uh, Sorry, um, there's something I should have told at the start. The the other three Beatles aren't happy about this, folks. Mm -hmm, Yeah. That's something I should have mentioned at the start. The reason that there are that these clues exist and we're able to talk about these clues, whether it's the audio clues or the visual clues, not stuff like the changing in Paul's appearance. That's the media scene, visual changes. Mm-hmm. But the stuff that the Beatles put in the albums, supposedly, whether consciously or subconsciously, depending mm-hmm. on how Marxist your view of the world is, I suppose, or how esoteric your view of the world is. But... They're not happy about it, and they are putting the clues in to expose the conspiracy without John going, you know, well, Paul was killed in 1966 on November mm. 9th. They can't do that, but what they can do is kind of, you know, like the idea that the increase in like sci-fi and alien narratives is to prepare us yeah. for when the greys come and yep. probe us up the anus. I could... I kind of see where someone could interpret that kind of in, uh, information, but that doesn't happen with the Beatles story. There's not like, ah, oh, you know, the very first photo of Paul McCartney, there's a walrus in the background. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm a big Stanley Kubrick conspiracy head, and I I, I feel like I'm in the Overlook Hotel right now. This is just, I'm, I'm a kid in a candy store <laughs> right now. Um, yeah. Let's uh, let's move forward. We've got a day in the life, uh, the big song from Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. I read the news today, oh boy, about a lucky man who made the grade. That's Paul. He's done well in life. Um, the news was rather sad. I just had to laugh. Lennon's doing a kind of manic post-death laugh. I laughed when my dad died. That's not an inconceivable thing to think at all. I saw the photograph. He blew his mind out in a car. He didn't notice that the lights had changed. He blew his mind out in a car. He didn't notice that the lights had changed. Lights had changed. Massive potential metaphor within this conspiracy. You know, uh, what is the light? Is that you know, kind of a, a, a soul symbol, symbol uh, symbolism, or is that like just the cabal are moving in a different way now, Paul? Uh, the, uh, the our satanic investors say we're going to invest in Enron now. You know, um, some, something has changed. Uh, a crowd of people stood and stared. That's the one that doesn't quite mesh. Maybe that's just thrown in to make it seem more publicly accepted than it was, but that crowd could also be the, you know, that cleanup crew in Men in Black that come and um, burn Mikey's blue goo off those cacti in the yeah. first scene. That's what I'm thinking here. Um, obsessed with the men, with the Men in Black theme. I didn't know that that, that, that was sampled from a very famous song recently. Um, I, was, I was this many years old when I found that out. Um, nobody was really sure if he was from the House of Lords, of course, that's kind of signifying the importance of McCartney in this sacrifice. And the big part of this song is not a lyrical one. It's one of the only kind of musical cues we get in the Paul is Dead conspiracy. And it's the kind of death rebirth orgasm of Paul kind of coming back. And it's that just C moving down the neck. And that huge crescendo 
does seem to be leaning towards the symbolism of, you know, something changing, metamorphosing, mm-hmm. be, being different to what it was before. And then after all of that, it cuts right to the most stereotypically McCartney-esque piano beat ever. I woke up, fell out of bed. I woke up is the first fucking line the new Paul says. Come on, folks. You yeah. don't have to... Again, believe it or not, you can't be unempathetic. I'm trying not to be unempathetic here. I can understand how someone would, you know, you've got to be like a lawyer here. I understand that my, uh, the prosecution perceives things to be this yeah. way. I don't just want to be the kind of guy who say, saying, no, no, they just want to win. Mm-hmm. They, they, you know, I, I don't want to be like that. Yeah. Um, because, you know, there are lots of times when I'll go, hang on, wait, Sirhan Sirhan was stood at a different angle that Bobby Kennedy was shot. That actually is a bit, <laughs> a bit funny, actually. Um <laughs> Uh, what, uh, Iron the Walrus, that's another big smoking gun. Uh, a big part of this conspiracy is that supposedly a walrus is a symbol of death. Yeah. And um, uh, I don't get that personally. I don't know where that comes from. It's one of the weaker elements of the yeah, Dead conspiracy. Um, it preys on something that happens a lot in the conspiratorial world. And it's something that as a Beatles expert, I from the outside looking in can see you, my friend are not entirely an expert on this timeline. You are not in the position to kind of be on your heart and go, well, either everything I know is completely wrong and none of these dates line up or that conspiracy is wrong and certain parts like the walrus thing, do just kind of crumble the house of cards slightly. Yeah, it relies on your ignorance of other things and to accept certain facts as fact rather than questioning it. Like, mm-hmm. uh, um, okay, so where do walruses come from? Okay, um, what's that got to do with Eastern yeah. philosophy and the Illuminati? What, I mean, what I heard about that line was that uh, in Greek, uh, walrus means corpse, but I mean, I, I didn't fact check true. that, not true. Not true. Mm-hmm. Well, there you, there you go. Uh, again, a lot of these things, I, I have said that they are very subjective, and even with that one, I, I let's trust Let's go them. on Google Translate yeah, let's do. right now. Now, let's... Uh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not letting this happen. So I'm, I'm <laughs> typing corpse into Greek and then the other one English. Okay. Uh, well, do while you... you're doing that, what I'll say is, this is what I mean, like... like even if it does, like well, I, I believe now it doesn't with with your passion and, and we're about to find out. But if it did, if let's just say it comes up where in Greek walls, it still doesn't prove it. And it also Thoma. Still... <laughs> yeah, that... yeah. Uh in, in Greek corpse is Thoma, so it's not even like walrus. There you uh, go. There yeah. you go. Uh does doesn't work at all. That's one of yeah. those ones that are that is annoying because it it. Again, that could be like one of those CIA psyops. Like, we'll throw in the walrus thing, yeah, to discredit for, for the rest me. Of it. The whole because I, I do have here again the, the whole premise towards the walrus. Because also, and I'm sorry if I'm ruining this, but in Glass Onion, <clears throat> I, won't, I won't spoil it if you're going to get on it's, that. It's, it's the next song in the chronology, yeah. So, the way I've always viewed the walrus until this week, it was more of one of the recent uh podcasts or whatever I listened to where they mentioned that in Greek, uh, walrus means corpse, which we now know is not true. 
the reason that I thought that these were all hints to go back and listen to Iamoris. And in the Iamoris, uh, there's a line that stands out, which is yellow. You'll know better than me. Yellow matter custard dripping from a dead dog's yeah. eye. Yeah. So what, what the conspiracy theorists are saying is that they're being very graphic about the state that Paul was in and that these are metaphorical or like, you know, views of what he looked like when he was had his head decapitated and his eye was bulging full of I need to pus. say to a girl at some point, I'm going to give yeah. some of my yellow man a custard love. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> a dead dog's eye. Would John refer to Paul as a dog, though? I don't know. That doesn't seem to be yeah. in character. Before we go on to Glass on Unum, the other big thing in Arm the Walrus is the clip from uh, King Lear. That was used at the end of the track. It's kind of uh, faded in at the end. It's part of a BBC production, a radio production, and it's the part of the play when um, someone is dying, they are slain. Um, oh, Oswald goes, slave, thou hast slain me, villain. Take my purse, Edmund of Gloucester, blah, 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 blah. What is he dead? Sit you down, father. Rest you. All, all of that rubbish. And that just seems to be them just trying to put the idea of death and walruses together. To, to, again, it's quite esoteric, helping you come to conclusions that you wouldn't naturally come to, perhaps, uh, without help. Um, and again, it comes down to, is all of this help or coercion? That's what. That's probably what I'm more interested in. Are we being coerced into these outcomes or are we being uh, you know, shown the truth? And that's at the heart of esotericism, you know, the idea of the hidden truth, the true truth, the, those symbols and patterns that have guided us throughout history. Um, a couple of more lyrics. Uh, Glass Onion, that's the walrus was Paul. Uh, again, that's one of the big smoking guns to inside of the conspiracy. It's either them going, we're aware of the conspiracy. We're mocking you now. Yeah. Or it's them going, um, the, the cabal is so powerful. They're making us address it directly now. And mm. there's not even, you, can, you can't do anything about it now. Mm. You can't do anything about it. You know, it's like that woman who said that Bin Laden was alive and then she got shot like two days later. Three. Uh, <laughs> three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, um, it, it, it could be along those lines. Uh, same album. We're on the white album now, 68, While My Guitar Gently Weeps. Uh, you hear George kind of moaning towards the end of the song. It does sound a bit like, Paul, Paul, Paul. Why is his guitar gently weeping? Yada, yada, yada. Um, again, that could also be a reference to the fact that Paul would steal a lot of lead guitar parts off George. So may, maybe George is like, ah, oh, I didn't even know what I had back when I was with Paul and now I'm with Fall. Um, we referenced I'm So Tired. Uh, there's a bit of gibberish in between that song going into Blackbird. It's just like, and it sounds like an audio goof. But it is it is literally an invitation, a welcoming into backmasking. And it's either a joke from the Beatles, a clue that they legitimately snuck past the censors, or uh, 
something from the cabal to yeah. influence. I mean, this all could be a sire. If it's all, because it, it could also be all true for real, all true for fake as well. Yeah, yeah. You know that. That's what's so tangible about this, and mm-hmm. that's why I said Rorschach because everyone's going to be taking away something yeah. different from this. And there are so many truths. Mm-hmm. Uh, still, still on the White Album, "Don't Pass Me By," uh, one of Ringo's songs. You were in a car crash and you lost your head. You were in a car crash and you lost your head. Or hair. Um, very weird line in a random song that Ringo had been writing since '62. Um, oh my, hang on, wait. I've got to find that early version now. Does it have that lyric in the early version? I will come back to that. You may have to put that on the socials later. Then we come to Revolution 9, which is John Lennon's avant-garde masterpiece. It is just full of... Uh, it may, The song may as well be called Paradolia. Actually, it is just a bunch of random clips put together that create a certain meaning it is music concrete in that sense and there are too many clues to really go through mm-hmm. but um i think that the main one is obviously um well the numerology of the song is undeniable number nine it's a very famous number in numerology and Lennon was obsessed with the number nine his entire life. He did a song called Number Nine Dream later mm-hmm. on. And number nine, it's not number nine. Mm-hmm. Number nine, number nine. It's number nine, number yep. nine. And there's a, a the intonation and the accent and the affectation is not a natural way of speaking. I mean, even John Lennon, number nine, number nine. Like, it would still be on the low. But, but when you take it up to the nine... Yeah. It becomes number nine, 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 Turn me on, dead man. Turn me on, dead man. Turn me on, dead man. And even I, as the biggest cynic ever, I'm like, that's... Even if you don't believe it, excellent work. Excellent work to get that. If that was intentional, Mm -hmm. well done, because that's bloody brilliant, that is. Very impressive indeed. Um, In It's Only a Northern Song... Um, there are certain lines that could either be George Harrison being quite acerbic or him revealing the clues. Like, you know, you may think uh, the band is not quite right. You may think the band's a little dark and out of key. There's nobody there. Those seem to be quite evocative lyrics. And uh, what else do we have here? Uh, I would say that, that uh, turn me on dead, man. That yeah. you were referencing there. That's kind of like the poster lyric that I think the main one, the one that they all. But I actually feel that some of the other ones are are more. Again, it, it's it's subjective and it's all about what people hear and and. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah. but for me, it's. I mean, even the one that you haven't touched on, and 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 I was quite surprised 
when I went looking for it, I couldn't actually find it. Have but, I missed one? What have I missed? Well, actually, on the only time I've ever heard it is on those conspiracy guys. They've done a five-hour long as they as they do. I did longer than them. It was I know, three parts, I know. but I did longer. That's all. And I'm one guy. I can't. I can't riff with someone for thirty minutes to plug up an hour. Yeah. <laughs> so so they they cover the one. I wash Willie Campbell. I wash and i don't know which song it is but to me oh that one i know that as well Hang on. It, it, that one for me is like kind of the main one but it's like the is your rightfully to point out that they turn me on dead man um, and the, the inference in the, in the way that he says it allows it to, to be backmasked and to turn me on dead, man. Um, even like, and I, and I want to know your your feelings on this one's, you did mention it, it muted there me for some go. reason. No, no, I did that because I was listening to the William Campbell clue. Oh, so, <laughs> okay. So that's um, the William Campbell clue is from the 2007 song Gratitude uh, from Memory Almost Full. If you play it backwards, I was William Campbell. <laughs> it's a real skill to do back with lyrics because you have to put the emphasis at the start of words. It's really, really, really dead. Yeah. And again, with like your right glass onion, there's a lot of lyrics that you are not backmasked. They're just blatantly saying, you know, clues towards the whole theory. But again, I, I'm sure people will be sick of me saying this already. These are subjective. And even if like when you were looking into the Greek word for walrus, and, and again, we need to say that that's not the case. Even if these were true, even if I buried Paul in reverse and strawberry fields was like, if it does say that, and it's there's no either way, it still doesn't prove that he's dead, and it also still doesn't prove that it's a you know the opposite way. So this is where it kind of frustrates me. But I think it's fun. It's a fun technique, and as we know, it is a real technique that real songwriters use. Um, Lady Gaga, she's got a lot of ones as well, and um, David Bowie, as I mentioned earlier. So yeah. Fun, it's fun at least, you know. I enjoyed it, and um, hopefully, we've been able to play some of these on the on the screen during the show. Right. Let's just quickly go through his appearance because that's one of the more annoying elements of this conspiracy for me personally. Um, on the poster for the White Album, there's a picture of someone who looks a lot like Paul in glasses and a weird moustache. Supposedly, this is the real. Uh, William Campbell or Billy Shears, as he is known professionally. And it it is the comparison between pre-66 Paul and post-66 Paul, so 65 and 67. Uh, that's where the real differences come in. If you look at several photos, you can see eyebrows changing. Um, Paul's eyebrows seems to have been quite thick at the tips here in the early 60s, and then they seem to kind of fade out a little more as it goes on and there's a slightly uh, less pronounced curvature. It's got a little straighter there. We've also got things like his teeth. 
His teeth seem to have like shifted positions slightly. Mm. Um, his mustache has changed over the years, like where the actual hair seems to be physically like growing out of earlobes. People, I mean, not since the Nazis and phrenology have I seen conspiracy theorists so obsessed about the 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 physical characteristics of of a human. The McCartney Caucasia uh, descends from this place, and if you see the three dimples in his skull, you know th- th- there's a little bit of that here. But McCartney's earlobes do seem to have a noticeable difference from when he was a younger man to say uh, a more middle-aged man. We've also got again more more ear stuff. He just seems to have bigger lobes now. Like, mm. I don't know what that is. Yeah, well, I mean, the, for me and my, I mean, the the more recent one is they're all pointing to to Joe Biden, and I would say again, not one that's looked into these things, but you have to agree, and I think it's it's well known, and even in the Beatles um, time that they did use body doubles. I, I think it's well known that they used them for a photo shoot. Is that am I? Folks, if you can't, if you're not watching the video, I did just roll my eyes then rather okay, okay. So, so I'm um, wrong because, because I, I mean, body I... doubles, come on. Man. Oh, so you don't, okay. Well, look, look, so... look, 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 Saddam Hussein, 100%, like dictator of a country might get shot at. Yeah, sure. Most famous faces in the pop world of the 1960s, I don't. Okay, well, it. again, I just, I, I, just, I have to, I have to obviously body, put my hand body up. Body but... doubles. The, I mean, the episode that I listened to, they mentioned that there was some photo shoot that the Beatles took part in and they admitted that it was body doubles because they were in a different country. And it, the way that that person framed that thing, it was almost like the confidence was like that everyone knows this. And it was... Okay, I, mean, I, I haven't heard that again. I'm not a Beatles completionist. Uh, okay. I'm I'm willing to, to reference that information at a later date. Okay, yeah. Um, it, it it just seems a bit suspect. I okay. mean, I mean, I'm the kind of guy who would accept that the moon landing happened, even if some of the photographs are fake. Yeah, yeah, I've you, heard you, that plenty of time. Yeah, you know, you know. So, like, just because the Beatles may have used a body double or faked a couple of photo shoots because they were busy being the Beatles, doesn't yeah. negate anything else further down no 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 that's yeah. not that's not the premise i was making and even we could we could even leave that aside and just go with that it's known that no let's the... derail the podcast <laughs> <laughs> no but like the, hillary clinton has a well-known body double we even know her name like like there there are body doubles that were used there's a leap between a politician and a pop band though <laughs> Okay. No, I mean, hey, I like I like this back and forth. This is what I was going for. Um, but I mean, I, I, it is. I, I'm I'm ninety nine point nine percent sure that the body doubles are used. We know how this. much that costs. Whether how much it, that would cost? Yeah, like, but whether it happens with the Beatles, that's subjective. And and feel free to go down that rabbit hole, not just yourself, no, dude. But. Dude, I'm descended from a man who is convinced that when he, my father is convinced that when he was a little boy, he saw the Beatles perform "Yellow Submarine." That never happened. Okay. Now, okay. Well, was then, there was there a proliferation of bands in the sixties that just said they were the Beatles yeah. and did things that the original Beatles didn't do? Was that sanctioned by MPL, or did my dad just see a tribute band? You know, yeah. memory is uh, a shoddy thing. And ever since he said that, I realised that 
eyewitness account might be the least admissible form of evidence yeah possible in in a in a, a debate like this mm-hmm. and the fact that everyone involved in this conspiracy was also on LSD yeah, yeah. um you know as a again like as a lawyer who's trying to defend his client here i'm just like weakness in the argument yeah <laughs> Oh, we're going down to manslaughter now, baby. <laughs> I mean, we're getting you out with you know with good behavior in two years. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure, like, if I'm comparing this debate to say the religion debate, I'm not sure who the onus is upon. Is it upon the conspirators to provide me with indisputable evidence, or yep. is it up to me to dispute the evidence put forward by the conspirators? Yeah. Uh, because I don't, I'm not just disputing for the sake of disputing. Because I mean, dude, I love an argument. Mm-hmm. You can tell I've got the gift of the gap. I love just to talk for the sake of talking. But in cases like this, it's hard not to get uh, passionate because yeah. I'm not seeing the due diligence a lot of the time from my rival contemporaries. Yeah, yeah. I guess I guess that's what I'm saying. So, so what, what on the appearance? So, what do you say to the images, like with the eye changing color? The you mentioned earlier, the the height difference. Um, and I'm not also, an expert in photography. What's that? I'm not. I'm not an expert in photography. I wouldn't. I wouldn't yeah. suggest that I am. Okay. Uh, and until I can get Roger Deakins or Stanley Kubrick himself to, to like talk about this and go yeah. through uh, the art of how light can change and refract through a lens and how lighting and shadow and perspective and things in the atmosphere can affect an image. I'm not going to claim anything because that's okay. a very arrogant position to come from. Because I, I will say, um, and, and I totally, that is a very valid point. Um one that again, this when when I looked into this for me, the smoking gun was at the very when I first started looking into it a month ago. The smoking gun for me was the appearance change, uh, the picture that we'll put up on the screen with the chin. Right now, <laughs> yeah, and they, they they put like lines in the chin, and for me, that's the smoking gun, and also the ears. Those are two things that I, not that I'm aware of, but you can't change. You can't. Change you can pin your ears back, but the whole tightness of the earlobe, um, and also the chin. The Michael Jackson back. didn't look a lot like he did before, did he? Yeah, yeah. So, true. um, uh, that's all I've got to say about that. <laughs> 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 Mic drop, yeah. Um, um, celebrities have plastic surgery, everybody. Yeah. Um, also, I mean, the earlobe one annoys me because. As a man entering his thirties, everything starts to drop quite, <laughs> quite quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, faces sag, faces get wrinkled. Mm-hmm. Uh, people get into bar fights that aren't publicised, and their face might change slightly. Yeah, people might be on medication that bloats them one day. If the glove does not fit, you must acquit. Don't take your hormones, OJ. You'll get yeah. off free. There's so many factors that are not even considered in this yeah. conspiracy, and I think there's even more levels of, for both sides to explore that aren't yeah. being explored because I think people have got too narrow a focus on 
mm-hmm. cranberry sauce. I mean, yeah. look, the height thing, that's something to focus on. There are photos that show Paul at the exact same height as George Harrison. Uh, in like, like in it, It's funny because, like, Paul is dead. He's like the, the transition from uh, black and white uh, Beatles to Technicolor Beatles almost. Because like around the time of the moped crash, you've got like the um, uh, rain and uh, day trip and music videos, like their first forays into color, and like black and white Paul is like the same height as George, and then you see photos of Technicolor Paul being mm-hmm. a good half a head taller than George Harrison. Like, oh, that is suspicious. Oh no way, George is kind of hunched in that photo, and Paul's leaning upwards. Yeah. Uh, just just ten seconds of minor analysis. Mm. Yep. Can, and there's so much uh, I think with the com- the appearance stuff that's the most confirmation bias like yep. and it, it, it's also insulting to the Illuminati cabal as well like they're not they're not going to find a guy the same height yeah we're just going to wing it yeah <laughs> we're just yeah it'll be alright on the night don't don't worry no, no one will question it and again that thing comes back to 9-11 oh they'll never get hung up on a passport that didn't melt in the mm-hmm. fiery inferno i get that i totally get that i'm yep. just asking that people see my cynicism yeah, yeah. No, side, that, side and, and one thing i've got to say is i plot like thanks for, for you've been so when you're going through all these points the lyrics the appearance you, you are also you're you could have easily come on here and been like nope 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 at every point but you've you've you know, you've told Oh, no, that's in the back of my head. Don't worry. I've still got yeah, half yeah, an hour no, left. Don't no, worry. But, but no, I appreciate that. That's, <laughs> you know, you've been open and honest and framing the theory. And then at the end, we'll give our, our statements, as we've, we've already mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we do that, I think we, we could move on to another favourite narrative. Oh, no, sorry, sorry. Hang on. Can I just... I wonder if this will even show... Oh, it won't. That's a, Hang on. Let me just... Because there's, <laughs> there's something that I can't not have be seen okay. uh no back then no background there we mm-hmm. are so this photo here of paul what is this thing going on here apparently this is this is the fake ear photo look at that okay i mean i'm i know it's blurred but the idea that this is a fake ear and that like oh my god that to me actually looked more suspicious than most of the other supposed evidence put okay. forward. That, that is actually news to me. I, I didn't know about the fake ear. <laughs> uh, let's have a new background as well. Let's have something fun. Right. Uh, there so, he is. Yeah, look, so... There's Fall behind me. Look, <laughs> you, ain't, you ain't real, mate. That's not you. <laughs> oh, Sam, but, um, you know, <laughs> just come and come and join the Illuminati in the Hellfire Club with me. You just got to sacrifice <laughs> a baby or two. Yeah, Paul, go on then. <laughs> Folks, d- d- just saying, I will join the like Illuminati if you're watching uh, Masons. I will like kill family members to join <laughs> these secret societies. I don't because I'm I'm fundamentally lazy and I'm entitled. So I will do dark things to move ahead in the world. 100%. So this is a full blown Joe Rogan you're doing right now, <laughs> Joe. Let me just say, I'm I'm completely retired. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, uh, yeah. So we'll move on yeah. to the Sergeant Pepper's album cover. Um, we'll run through some of the the clues, and this is my 
my this is my nerd out pleasure. Like I love. Oh, no, 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 no. This is the autism part of the Paul yes. is dead conspiracy because yeah. this. Um, I mean, I've had more than one person say that I'm probably on the neurodivergent spectrum, so I don't feel too horrible saying things like that. But uh, the idea that you can just look at this album cover and keep staring at it and keep staring at it and keep staring at it. And like you, you, you know those fractals that you keep yeah. getting deeper and deep. The fractals start to open up, and you know this is chaos theory in mm. an an album cover. You find yeah. new stuff every time you look at it. And well done to Peter Blake. I mean, if we're going to look at the totally uh, non esoteric, boring answer, uh, Peter Blake is an incredible artist who can create evocative imagery that has lasted more than one lifetime mm -hmm. um if not then my god is this esoteric symbolism powerful because it is actually invading the psyches of the people looking at it yeah. um where do we start i mean i think the easiest place is to say what is it i mean what do you think the cover is a yeah. picture of well, well that, that's fun, actually what i've got written is yeah. sergeant what, pepper what is it What's going on? Well, that, that, that's what I'm saying. That's what I've got written as my subheading. Sergeant Pepper's album cover slash Paul's burial. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. It's a funeral. Um, <laughs> I don't I, I don't even think that's a controversial thing to say outside of the Paul is Dead conspiracy. Okay. Because the idea of Sergeant Pepper was um, Paul was on a plane with Mal Evans, one of their roadies, one of their tour man uh, managers, and they were talking about the idea of, you know, it would be really um, liberating if we could just write music where we're not the Beatles. And apparently they had salt and pepper in front of them. That became Sergeant Pepper through a little portmanteau. Mm -hmm. And the idea was that, that they would have an ego death of the black and white Beatles and, you know, start doing, you know, um, when I'm 64, which they would yeah. never have done before. They would never have had a whole song of Indian music before, like that, you know, they had a sitar on a previous song, but it was still a pop song. Yeah. Now it's the Beatles freeing themselves from the, you know, the image that they've created. Mm -hmm. Something that more bands need to do, like, hey, Kurt Cobain, don't kill yourself, just reinvent Nirvana. Don't, don't worry about it. You know what I mean? You can, you can do something different, and you can look at it in the literal sense that this is just Paul McCartney going we are now doing weird Beatles 70s LSD stuff, yeah. or it's literally Paul is dead. We've buried him. We're going to convince the Illuminati that this is the, you know, the symbolism for our musical change, but we're actually going to esoterically let the public know that Paul is dead. There is a bass guitar in the foreground. It's got four strings on it. No, 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 no sorry. It's got three strings on it because one mm -hmm. of the Beatles is dead, but it is a bass guitar. Uh, you know, the guitarist is dead. The original four Beatles look on in sadness. Mm -hmm. There's a statue of Shiva, mm -hmm. uh, apparently symbolizing death and rebirth. I wouldn't know because I don't know the religion, so I would not even attempt to yeah. say yes or no. Hey, anyone who believes in Shiva, email in at blah, 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 I don't give a shit at gmail.com. Um, only Paul has a black instrument. That's a good one. Because uh, in the um, Your Mother Should Know, 
music video pulls in one with a black carnation and the Beatles have red carnations. That's actually a good one. I yeah. like that one. Yeah. Colour symbolism, I feel, is more powerful than a lot of this kind of loftier walrus crap. Yeah. Like black, bad, red, bad, yeah. you know, stuff, stuff like that. Um, Paul has a hand above his head. You see this a lot throughout the Beatles um, mm. Picturography is that a word for it? Yeah. Um, in the Magical Mystery Tour booklet, there's a hand above Paul's head. Uh, on the Yellow Submarine album cover, John's hand is above Paul's head. Apparently, this is a, a, a Hindi Hindu symbol yeah. of death. Again, not part of the religion, not gonna make any claims. <laughs> uh, if you mirror the words Lonely Hearts on the drum skin, it spells. Uh, 11 19 1966 like i1 ixhe dash dash die so mm. you know on on this date he died mm. uh, you've got paul's badge that he wears opd officially pronounced dead apparently one of the medals paul is wearing on the cover is only awarded to dead soldiers mm. uh in on, on the inner sleeve paul he's got his knees up he's in the fetal position death rebirth again on the back rear cover, Paul's the one facing away. You don't see his face because it's not Paul. It's Billy Shears. Um, George points to the to the lyrics, Wednesday morning at nine o'clock. Like he's, he's, he's telling us this is this is the significant bit of information to take away. Yeah. Um also, uh something I, I found out in researching this episode specifically. Uh, the doll in the bottom right has got a bloodied glove in its left hand. Didn't mm. notice that. And um, apparently that funeral wreath of the three-stringed bass guitar, if you angle it right, it can spell Paul. Oh, yeah. uh, not too sure about that one, but yeah. my God. I don't think that that's even half of the clues. Oh, yeah. oh, Alistair Crowley's on the front cover as well. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Crowley... Oh, I mean, as a guy from Birmingham in the UK who likes Ozzy Osbourne, of course I know who Alistair Crowley is. Yeah. Um, that's a smoking gun. I mean, to say, I mean, the Beatles were into everything. Yeah. They they were into drugs and they were into uh, philosophy, yeah. new types of music, new ideas, new age ideals. They were into politics. They, mm -hmm. they had their toes in everything. Yeah. And one of their strengths was that they weren't just Renaissance men who were a little bit good at everything. They were actually quite good at everything. And yeah. that was the real magic source. Mm -hmm. uh, they could consistently give a seven out of 10 on stuff that they had no in, like right bigger part in. Yeah. And I think this is a part of that. Um, I mean, even a Beatles conspiracy is a decent conspiracy, you know. Um, yeah, you've you've covered everyone that I had down. Uh, the only, uh, I mean, you did touch on it. It's not in the the album cover, but the black red carnation was quite a good one. Um, apparently, maybe you can confirm if this is true mm -hmm. or not. Um, he was asked why is Paul the only one wearing a black carnation or rose? Oh, we didn't have one. Yeah, he, he says we didn't have one, but apparently. The story goes that there is also video or picture evidence of him being handed a bouquet with multiple um, red ones and the fact that you don't get black ones, it would have to be dyed. So they've actually 
gone through that process mm. to get him. It's like almost like they've done work to get him a black one. Um, again, extra, extra work, yeah, yeah. It's it's no proof or nothing, um, but it's it's interesting. Um, Paul's Austin Huey apparently appears on that. Um, on the same side of the, with the, the doll, there's an Austin Huey on the lap of someone that's sat. Oh in the yeah, chair. and that's the car he was supposedly driving. Yeah. Um, I've also got just running through a few things that we need. Well, that I like to touch on. Uh, the recalled album cover for Dead the, with the Dead Babies was reissued. With oh, one. yes. Um, that was called Yesterday and Today. That was a compilation album. Uh, the original album cover was the Beatles covered in butcher, like offal and meat, as well as plastic, you know, like, dolls. Yeah. Plastic dolls, but they were dismembered. So heads and bodies and legs yeah. everywhere. And it's it's a bit, it's like a Kuleshov effect kind of thing where you see meat of animal severed baby part you see violence and it's yeah. not actually a violent image yeah. at all but then again i suppose you could say picture of a man's erect penis picture of a baby that's not a that's not in itself an offensive image but yeah y- you know that's what the beatles were going for yeah no, no sorry, sorry, it, sorry it, that's sorry cut that out and it, and it was uh, cut that out because that's not really, <laughs> um, but like that's the no no I get I get, uh, that, I get that's it, that sorry um, let me no, no, I'm to rephrase it but that's the kind of um, psychological juxtaposition that the Beatles were taking advantage yeah, yeah. of is what I'm trying to say yeah, yeah, yeah. no I, um, I get I get the premise I mean you could just call it art it's art and it's maybe yeah. not to everyone's liking but the, what they were doing was was pushing boundaries that we've already mentioned the the you know what what they did in the six days changing and revolutionizing the the way of life basically for well for the, there, there was a pushback with this album cover though because they had to redo it because it was so controversial yeah well that's that's my next point yeah what was what was replaced what so you... the image replaced is of the other three Beatles kind of uh, John uh, John George and Ringo kind of stood around a big suitcase yeah big oblong coffin like yep. suitcase and Paul is sat yeah inside it and again it it fits too well doesn't it it fits too <laughs> well <laughs> look, look folks i'm not the, again i'm not saying that this is impossible i'm yeah. very much I'm, I'm agnostic to this yeah. I, th- I think that's the best way to put it yeah yeah i'm agnostic to this conspiracy yeah um but the idea that so there's this conspiracy cabal going so what cover are we going with today? <laughs> oh, the, the, the gourd? No, that's a bit too obvious, don't you think? Oh, you just stood in a box. Well, that's fine. Mm. Bam. They didn't know that, you know, the Beatles were up to date on this esoteric symbology. And, you know, yeah. Lennon's a Crowley student, supposedly, as well. So he's got a, a foot in the door here. Mm. And they are, you know, this is a counter- narrative against the powers that be who are trying to suppress this stuff and the bills are fighting back there's even a subcategory of uh william campbell uh kind of got into it maybe under false pretenses a bit like stanley kubrick like you've you've just got to direct one movie stanley don't worry about it kind of thing (laughs) you've only got to pretend to be paul for two weeks or something and he has to spend the rest of his life as paul and he's actually helping to expose it from the inside as well mm. that's another avenue you can go down yeah 
So we're at the time at the end where we wrap up and give our closing. It's not the end, is it? This is us cutting it short. Like, (laughs) folks, we could go for hours, couldn't we? We, Yeah. I mean, I like. like You've been a conscious choice here. (laughs) I I like to kind of stick to the premise with my show. I I start the the show by giving an opening statement, premising the the theory, and then at the end, giving a kind of final statement and, and almost like hoping that my beliefs change from one point to the other or in this case the guest i would love but i can't see it i can't see it but you've been <laughs> such, a, such an amazing guest and thanks for being so open with you know as i said you could easily have come on here and just said yeah they believe this but no 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 you've actually you've framed it you've even said at points where i can see where they're coming from and it does look suspect and it fits the narrative so so thanks for that um but here's where we get into the nitty gritty, um, and and I loved your energy. Please, guys, listen to. I know if you've listened to this one, but it's not. It's three parts that you'll thoroughly enjoy. Sam does a great job of covering this topic, um, but for me, what I should say is, when I first got into this conspiracy, I thought it was fun. It was it was like oohs and ahs, and oh, I wonder if that goes on. <laughs> Um, and this was like, as I say, five, six years ago, and it's always been on my list to cover. Um, however, not being, and, and I should have premised this at the very start, I am not a music fanatic. Like, I don't know, you maybe can describe this better, and I've said this to my wife, she is. She's one of those, and I've got a best friend as well who is puts the headphones in basically from the moment they wake up in the morning. It's music, music, music they really get into it. Like they can listen to the lyrics. Like you hear these people that are like, oh, but have you really heard the lyrics? Like listen to them. And I'm like, listen, if the beat's catchy, I'm dancing. You know, it, music to Dude, me. I totally get that. Yeah. And, and Same it, with it, um, in, instrumentation. Like, oh, Sam, listen how good this like solo is. <laughs> I'm like, no, but can I click yeah. my fingers and ignore it and still enjoy yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. yeah Which I, is I why... Again, I probably should have said this to start with the Beatles. I think I always premise this by saying every young lad, I believe, goes through the stage where they'll listen to the Beatles for a while. Then they go into like Elvis and then it's Michael Jackson and it's Queen. They always those are like the kind of the four for me that I did anyway. My iPod at the start or my MP3 player was full of those. And then you kind of move on. But for me and not just with the Beatles, it's always just the main ones, the ones that gets into the chart. I'm not one of these guys that buys an album and really analyzes the words and, and the songs and loves everyone or, or critiques a couple. I'm not that way inclined about music. So for me, this theory and also like the whole music industry, film industry, even sports, I've learned recently that I believe you, you have to sell your soul to get fame and what that enti- and, and what that means is that, in my opinion, the Faustian bargain, and I must reference the wife and I laughed the other day. She's a big Futurama fan, uh, The Simpsons as well. What, with the Golden Fiddle? Yes. So in, in that episode, well, is it is is it the Golden Fiddle? And there's also the one with uh, uh, with Bender, is it the robot guy? Yeah. He does the Faustian bargain as well, and and this is what we're seeing a great interview to watch with Bob Dylan where he basically spills his, his guts about it all that he, he sold his soul to uh, the devil. Basically he doesn't say the word devil, but this is what I believe wholeheartedly Kanye West, Lady Gaga, there are stories in there that if you look into a lot of these people's fame, that it always starts with someone in their close family passing away. 
Now it could be framed as they had cancer and died, or, or, or the, in, in Lady Gaga's instance, it was her best friend, the lead singer of her band, was jumped off a building. And I know there's people in her, the, the is it, um, I forget her name, but her aunts and and her mom are on Facebook petitioning to get this looked into because they believe. Um, again, I digress, but but I I strongly believe that people have to sell their soul to get that sort of fame. So for me. I know it's a big stretch, but to find a guy that looks like Paul McCartney, sounds like Paul McCartney, can play the bass left-handed like Paul McCartney is is huge. We can't ignore it. However, I believe it's possible. I believe you look. Do you remember the show Stars in Their Eyes back in the day? Tonight, Matthew, I'm going to be. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, and and it is said that that the Billy Shears, whoever this guy is, he was in a band called Billy and the the flower pot, no, the 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 pepper pot man, which again, Sergeant Pepper. There's a lot of links with that. He he was um, renowned for doing Beatles covers. He looked similar. He he sound, he could sound clearly like him because they did. Yeah, re- a lot of people can sound like Paul. It's not yeah. that difficult. And, and, and even in yeah. that, like I, I I've said this to my wife recently, and she laughed at and your great uh, impressions that give it give me a couple of weeks of really focusing on any person and I'll get them down pat might might not have the tone but with Paul McCartney I don't think it's too hard to replicate that this is where again this is where we're getting into the to the back and forth so please feel free to jump in and, and interject and say that I'm talking out my ass but <laughs> I I don't think it's that much of an impossible task then what I'll finish off with is the whole memoirs of Billy Shears, which I admit I haven't read. I've I've watched a few reviews, and I will be at least re- looking for an audio book or or getting into reading the book. But it, apparently, it's six hundred and sixty six pages. Um, it was released. On- <laughs> <laughs> it was released on. Fuck off. <laughs> it was released on nine nine two thousand and nine. Which again, if you inference, it's. It's 666. You also mentioned earlier Paul McCartney uh, or or Fall uh, loves the number nine, number nine, number nine. Now, uh, John loves them. And- yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. John loves yeah, number John nine. John loves number nine. Um, but, but the whole gematria symbology aspect of this conspiracy is, which, is what has pulled me from like 50, 60% of believing this theory six years ago to now being at like 95%. I, I, I will go there. I, I am on board with not knowing exactly what's happened, and I don't think we ever will, although mm-hmm. apparently Tom E.U. Harriet, the writer of Memoirs of Billy Shears, has apparently said either in the book at the end or in emails to this guy, Sage of Quay, that he will be able to one day release more information that will be very damning. Um, and and I believe that with all conspiracies, and, and my own listeners will, will back me up on this, I think that the Masonic side of things is that they believe in karmic law. Uh, if you type in Freemasonry and karma into Google, any Google search, you'll find out that these are men and women or, or you know, all these cults, they believe in karma. So what they do is they'll carry out a conspiracy, i.e. 9-11, i.e. JFK, in my opinion, whatever, and they will eventually tell us. Right now, they are telling us through the lyrics. They're telling us through the symbology. But I eventually believe that they will eventually come out. And and that was what I was going to final ask you. My final question is to ask Sam if the BBC came out tomorrow and announced that the conspiracy theories were right on this. 
What would BBC. your feeling? What, what would your feeling be? <laughs> oh, first of all, if it's the BBC saying, yeah, I probably, I probably wouldn't believe it now. Or uh, just any if the, if the mainstream, if the government came out and said the Tavistock Institute uh, used the Beatles and the Rolling Stones as a as a an influence on society. Uh, unfortunately, yes, the the bald. Paul died um, in a car crash and we had to replace him. It was too much of a risk not to. People would have shined away from the Beatles had Paul not been there, had he been dead. So we did replace him. And that was the the, the government of the old. That was the toughest talk of the old. We are now new people. We'll never do that again. Like they did with the the Tuskegee and, and many others. They've, they've come out and admitted it. So it's just, I do feel guilty. Any Beatles fans listening and yourself that I'm kind of almost like breaking your heart and I know you're probably not going to because because I know I know your passion I've listened to part 3 and and yeah exactly and and I love it but I almost feel like that's what I'm doing but for me I would not be Baram you podcast I wouldn't be if I wasn't to be open and truthful truthful with you all so that being said over to you <laughs> you know a bit in uh, Ace and Trouble where he is <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, all in, all in one breath. Uh, where do we begin? Uh, the very premise of this conspiracy is shaky as all hell. Uh, the 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 um, let's just look at what it achieved. What did it achieve? Or well, all it achieved was allow fake Paul to make fantastic music, make uh, raise awareness for vegetarianism, world peace, conservationism, uh, and landmine removal. Um, the only thing they could have benefited was was the money, but starting a war with Uzbekistan would make more money in three months than uh, a music conspiracy over 40 years. So uh, the return on investment is just nonsensical. Um, why didn't we bring back Buddy Holly, Amy <laughs> Winehouse, Mark Boland, Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Kurt Cobain, moving on. Uh, we've got the issue of Paul's songwriting. I, I've seen a lot of these Paul's dead conspiracies who are like, oh, well, Paul after Sergeant Pepper didn't write anything good. No, he didn't write Hey Jude, Let It Be, Long and Winding Road, Helter Skelter, Lady Madonna, his entire solo career, Grammy-winning, uh, number one worldwide-spanning solo career, biggest tour of all time in 1976 career. Um, that None of that matters. Um, he didn't write a good song after that. Complete rubbish. Some of Paul's best stuff has been written after 1967. Uh, that what people don't seem to get is that old Paul died who wrote pop songs and new Paul who writes songs for himself was born in 1967. Most of them are ostensibly still pop songs, but you know, he would never have written a 1920s pastiche throwback pre Paul is dead. He just wouldn't have, but then you get when I'm 64 mm. and then that goes on to, Songs like You Gave Me the Answer and English Tea many years on. Um, everyone just kept quiet about this. Everyone just kept quiet over the last five, six decades. Um, I mean, you can throw the whole, oh, well, the cabal, the Illuminati, the, the, the shadowy figures, they, they like to flaunt and taunt in front of us. No, they either keep it hidden or they flaunt it in front of us. You can't give me both there. That's that's a, a God of the Gaps kind of argument that I don't appreciate. Again, appreciate me as a person who was 
who knows things like what no true Scotsman means. Yeah. Like, just appreciate me as someone who knows logical fallacies based on a Wikipedia article, and then maybe we can respect each other on, on, on more of a level. I mean, in terms of you and me, first of all, we've got respect as content creators, so I'd yeah. never try and totally dismirch you, only moderately. Um, I mean, um, not everyone did stay quiet either, Um uh, what, was his, what was his name? Was it Henry Labor or Harry, uh, Harry Labor? Um, one of uh, when he was talking about Willie Campbell, he said, "I made the guy up. It was originally going to be Glenn Campbell with two ends, but then I said that's too close. Nobody will buy that, so I made it William Campbell." So people who are at the heart of the genesis of the conspiracy or are already saying that this is complete hogwash. Yeah. And then let's dive into the fact that it is the worst kept conspiracy theory ever. Since 1966, we have known about this. So what have they achieved? What is the point of this conspiracy? I'd like to think that on your show, not every conspiracy is proven to be true because that would give you a real legitimacy. And I'm trying to give you that legitimacy here by just coming down like I'm going to glass this planet. As as they would say in Starship Troopers, mm-hmm. um, I mean, so the Cabal allowed the Glass Onion lyric, "The Walrus was Paul." They just allowed that to go out. There was no backlash. John wasn't killed in '68, and Ringo was killed in '69. No, no, they they let John be killed uh, 14 years later after he put out all these clues. That doesn't seem to make sense. Yeah. Um, You've all, I mean, respectfully, you've also got to believe in other conspiracy theories to believe in this conspiracy yeah. theory. You've yeah. also got to believe in New World Order, three, uh, Freemasonry, Satanic cults, Illuminati, yada, yada, yada. I'm not going to go into that. But I think even you can respectfully say to me that there's a certain, um, I'm already one of these guys yeah. kind of feel to this opinion. That makes it a lot easier to accept. Yeah. Uh, the, the walrus thing, again, requires you to not do the due diligence of research. Like, just research Beatles without bias, then go back to the Paul is Dead thing, mm. then you make your opinion. Yeah. Um, we've, already, we've already discussed Paul did die. There was a birth and rebirth. So maybe there's an element of just a lot of these conspiracists are not... I mean, if we're going into Freemasonry and esotericism, then symbolism is so important... Mm-hmm. And maybe everyone's got the wrong end of the fucking stick. Like it could, you know, did the Masons just want everyone to start listening to cool rock and roll? Maybe. And that's what the change in in 66 was. You know, the Illuminati was fed up of rhyming maybe with baby. And they wanted something um, a bit more stimulating. I mean, why does it even have to be a negative? Why can't it just be, ah, you know, the Illuminati are trying to move us, progress us. They want everyone to have more uh, progressive, inquisitorial thinking that, you know, we can even go into that, but we're not going to. Um, What else have we got? I mean, we've spoken about how the Beatles were so big that they could get any conspiracy going in any multiverse anyway. It contradicts everything I know as a Beatle semi-historian. Um. It's clearly a joke as well. It's clearly a joke. 
I mean, it's not a parody of conspiracy theories, but mm. it's close. I feel like it's almost like a dummy run conspiracy theory. Yeah. Like this is how you look for the clues yeah. and do it badly. Um, like there are so many things that do deserve new investigation. Kennedy, mm. 9-11, Gulf of Tonkin, Titanic, yeah. uh, weapons of mass destruction, the COVID pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, do do take your vaccines, cocksuckers. That's what I'm saying. Um, but the, the, there's so much that does deserve and warrant real research. And then you've got all these people who are worried about what cranberry sauce means. And I'm like, like I remember when I was a kid, and I can remember song lyrics. And I remember my mom saying, "If you could apply that to your schoolwork." You'd, you'd, you'd be laughing. And I think a lot of these poorly dead conspiracies, if they could apply that due diligence to Kennedy, yeah. maybe we'd be somewhere. Yeah. But we're not. We're still talking about whether the carnation on Paul's jacket symbolises something. I mean, a lot of this is also ignorance to other conspiracy circles that haven't become mainstream. You do know that, like, Taylor Swifties do this exact same thing for every one of her album covers, every one of her press statements, every one of her music videos. It's the exact same thing. Anything that reaches a certain, I mean, it's rarer these days because of the proliferation and dissemination and spreading out of culture and entertainment. But Taylor Swift, Billie Eilish, Ed Sheeran, Mm -hmm. these people that you say have sold their souls. I say they've just sold their integrity which mm-hmm. could be which could be the soul if you want to get down to semantics yeah. that's fine um you know they, they may have sold their artistic vision for yeah. success that could be a soul metaphorically as well i'm not going to dispute you on that but um anyone who gets to that level of fame mm-hmm. is going to have a conspiracy theory based around them yeah that's just how it works no i i, I, I get that and Right. There's not a conspiracy theory based around Deantwood because no one outside of Sudifica gives a shit about Deantwood. You know, it, yeah. that's 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 just how it is. There are no conspiracy theories about um, I don't know. Watch because I, I think there's a Duran Duran because they got to seven out of ten in terms of fame, but they were never ten out of ten all time classics. They will be remembered like Mozart fame. I mean, there are literally conspiracies about Mozart because he was at that level. Jesus was at that level. Yeah. The Beatles were at that but level. Even even the four are. or five ones that I mentioned earlier, like Elvis, there's one about him. Elvis, yeah. Um, um, d- the Beatles, obviously. Michael yeah. Jackson, there's multiple about Michael Jackson. And then Queen, there's even one about him, about the, the whole, was he, you know, the, the AIDS and, and, and all that stuff. So... Because it's about, about about Freddie Mercury's AIDS diagnosis. Oh, yeah. we've after the show, we'll get back to this. <laughs> oh my god! But but as much as like, and again, this isn't this is actually quite timid of me. But like the way you've just framed that there, I get it. But at the same time, on the other hand, I could also frame it like, isn't it a coincidence that all these big stars have people dying, or they die, or like there's always something. So it's just about the way you frame it. Um, I don't know if that, again, it's not about convincing you or I, 
the listener and get you, you know, like I, I just like. Isn't to, it weird that everyone that people die every day and that there's no chance yeah. or coincidence to it at all, yeah. and that we're all just worm food in a totally random, yeah. uncaring, chaotic universe? <laughs> Again, a lot of this comes down to, I mean, um, I, I saw these definitions literally after your prompting esotericism. One of the definitions is a belief in a more enchanted magic, magic with a K, yeah, with a K, yeah. A magic y world. Yeah. I fundamentally don't have that worldview. I'm the kind of person, maybe it's a self loathing thing. Maybe I don't believe that I can achieve that magic y power. But yeah. where I'm sat from, no, no, my friends are better guitarists than me. He deserves the fame and the power. I accept my lesser status. Yeah. That's just how I've always perceived it. Maybe that's a weakness on my own psychology. Yeah. But I'm I'm very much an Occam's razor. Yeah. I'm a loser. Yeah. I'm a loser. Yeah, kind <laughs> kind of guy. You know, uh, the the world is not magical. It's not interesting, and uh, we all die alone listening to the Beatles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, um, all week, all, all, uh, all um, you may retort to everything I've just said now. <laughs> no, no. I mean, again, it's not. I don't really have so much as a retort. I just feel, I mean, you're, you're, as I said, your part three was very scathing, um, a lot of which, again, I'm not, I hope you don't take this, this isn't the, like a respect you and all that, but a lot of, I, I get this a lot with my flat earth belief, and yes, I know that'll maybe send a lot of up. I've not talked about it intentionally because I didn't want yeah. to upset anyone. But, but like the whole the whole monologue is, is what you did, in my opinion, can also be done on the other side. And I, yeah, I, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, like, for example, we'll take Flat Earth. You, you guys, like, I get sent memes of, of Flat Earth looking like a pizza or with a cat on its back, like, to, to, try, and, to try and get a reaction to try and wind me up. It's However, all turtles all the way down, yeah. yeah. <laughs> However, I could also say, what, you guys believe in a spinning water ball that we fly through there? Like, it's easy to do that, and, and I think... Just to be, just to, to to plead with your audience, which I'm sure you're you're doing the same. And if any of my audience, I, I would hope that they'd be open minded. But I always have to say this: that that tactic of monologuing and slagging off the other side shouldn't stand any stead. It doesn't with me. Like I I've got that thicker skin that I loved listening. Like when you were doing it, I'm laughing not at you, but like it's hilarious. It, it it's comedy. It really is, and it works. But it works, in my opinion, and it's a bugbear that your listeners and maybe mine, you can also argue that my listeners are being hypnotized with that rhetoric that, oh, these flat earthers, they believe, oh, that's so so idiotic. And, and, and it's like that in itself is so powerful that we we often listen to that and, and ignore the facts. Like people will watch a, a five-minute video, if that, and hear com- commentating on that theory and that's enough for them. They won't go into what Baram Yu says that his chin changed. Oh, I better go and look into that because that's well, how I am. Yeah, but it's, I hear... it's not like flat earthers are programming satellite routes around the earth. You know, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if that was the case, then maybe there'd be an issue. Yeah. But flat earthers yeah. aren't actually causing harm to the planet because, <laughs> by the definition of their beliefs, they're not getting into the positions of power that define what the earth is, yeah. which is a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Again, I get that. Yeah. Um, 
But at the end of the day, I'm right. You're wrong. Uh, everyone just listen to me. Thank you very <laughs> much. Peace that. out. Yeah, yeah, I mean, just, just think about Paul McCartney. He's dead when he's alive as well. <laughs> I'm telling you, bud, the more I've really enjoyed this. And and I want to say, when I do get around to doing the John Lennon one, because this this topic has spurred me on, like, I feel like I could go another, you know, I've, there are so many points we haven't touched on. And I know we've, we're also thinking about the listeners' ears that listening to us for more than two hours is maybe a bit, you know, but one day I'll do the John Lennon one. And I'd hope that, you know, I'll reach out to him and you could, come back and we could get together again because I've, I've honestly i've thoroughly enjoyed this it's, it's been it's been fun no uh i've i've got potential other john lennon heads that might be more appropriate for you um, okay the guy who was on those conspiracy guys to talk about john lennon okay. he was on my podcast a while back so i might try and uh, nice. hook you up with him or i might just try and steal the glory for myself depending on <laughs> yeah. this episode is but yeah at, at the end of the day folks Paul is dead. It's more uh, it's more interesting than it is believable. I think it is an interesting introductory conspiracy theory in terms of you know you, you've got like the the four quadrants of like believable and fun. Uh, it's definitely in the less believable, more fun mm-hmm. part of the conspiracy world. Where, you know you've got Kennedy, believable and fun. 9-11, believable, not fun. <laughs> you know, and there's and Paul or nothing. Uh, sorry, Paul or nothing. Paul or nothing is in the good and quality uh, spectrum. Uh, okay. Paul is dead is in the fun and not. Okay. <laughs> okay. No. Well, all I the think... no, 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 but all the skills are the same. Yeah. All the skills are the same. Like whether you're licking a man's asshole, a woman's <laughs> asshole, or someone who identifies as something else entirely, you're still licking an asshole. You know what I mean? <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> I think we'll uh, wrap up that again. I've got to And say- I'll do any. I'm not prejudiced either. Same with <laughs> same with the Paul is dead conspiracy. I am open to any asshole being shoved in my face. <laughs> Brilliant. Anyway, Sam, thank you very much uh, for coming on. And guys, this episode will be out. I'm hoping there's a lot of, we've got to add in a lot of uh, content, pictures, videos, things. So I'm not, I'd like to hope that it would be done and out by next weekend. But Sam, you can promote your stuff um, um, for the listener to follow you and all that, where they can find you. Um, check out Paul on I think anywhere you can get your podcast check out Mac It in Your Attic my side series where I go through Paul McCartney or Beatles memorabilia on my YouTube channel just type in Paul and I think Paul McCartney podcast or Mac It in Your Attic um, yeah that's about it for me really you can check out my appearances on other shows and stuff like that but yeah the big one Paul and I think parts one through three on Paul is dead. Go check those out. Everything we've talked about here, I go into a little bit more uh, detail. And as we've mentioned, the first two parts I actually do with a bit more reverence and respect for the conspiracy. So if you just want to listen to those two parts and then kind of go la 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 confirmation bias with the last episode, then you can totally do that because i get the downloads either way baby i'm gonna sell my soul to the devil come here (laughs) fausty boy you know um also why would the devil let the faustian bargain story even leak because that's that's gonna affect the number of bargains yeah 
per year he that, gets. He needs he needs to suppress that story. Yeah, that 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 in itself leads into why I'm and saying about the karma. They, they have to they have to tell us. They they give us clues throughout, and they tell us so that when they believe that when we do nothing about it, like for example, nine eleven, no one's gone to jail yet. Then it, the, the the karma, the bad karma of those people being killed is all, all diluted over everyone because we've done nothing about it. It's like standing there watching someone kill someone and you allow it to happen. They believe that that then shares that karma. So when they tell us about the Faustian bargain through film, media, song, that when we hear it and go, I believe it, and we're not holding them accountable, then we are much to blame. That That's their beliefs, not mine. I guess you've just got to be okay with the bargain at, at the end of the day. Cause like I like in game of Thrones that like all magic requires like a blood sacrifice, like to get something, you're going to give something or Thanos chucking his daughter Gamora for the soul stone, whatever nerdy subculture you're a part of. I can create the right metaphor for you, but um, I wouldn't see a problem with selling my soul. I don't value it that highly. Uh mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, just get me in the Hellfire Club again. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> uh. <laughs> All right, guys, thank you. Um, as I say, get your comments in. This is a very interactive theory. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the, the lyrics, the appearance, and basically what you think about it. Um, and, and please follow Sam on his socials. Listen to his, his three-parter and, and get all that in. So, guys, thanks again. Thanks, Sam. And we'll be talking to you soon. Bye, guys. Peace of love. Peace of love. <laughs> Baram you. Baram you. To your dream, your wish, your plan be true. Shape be true. Baram you.